I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. And you're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Herpeticulture Network. He hasn't. I don't. This is. He think he said this is his first podcast. I didn't want to just like throw him to the wolves and not have any sort yeah. of like skeletal structure to it. Nice, you know? first, nice. first one ever, man. Baptism by fire. Well, it must be Monday because here we are. Snakes and Stogies one eighty seven. Uh, we're here. Brought to you by blackboxcages.com, Facebook, Instagram. You need a rack. You need a cage. Black box cages is all the rage. Phil has them. I have them. Jake has them. Chris has them. Bill has them. Everybody has them. Everybody loves them. Dude, it's amazing how many people have them and you don't know they have them. Right? Right. <laughs> it's great. It's great. I'm like, man, that cage looks familiar. I mean, Chris Montross switched, I think, damn near everything over to black box stuff. And I feel like that alone says a lot because Chris is very particular about, about his stuff. Yeah. So the fact that that he's done that and made two trips up to Black Box to pick up, which you can do if you live in the general vicinity of North Georgia. Um, or you're a glutton for punishment and want to drive. Yeah, it's not even that bad of a drive, at least for us here on the coast. Um, and but, uh, doesn't Clint Bartley, didn't he do like his whole store now? No, that was that was RBI, I think. Was it? I thought I thought it was that was Black Box. We'll have to find out. I don't think it was, but my neighbor must be lighting up because I can smell it from here. Tis the season. Oh, he's a nice guy, but he goes hard. <clears throat> he's a very earthy cologne. Uh, if you're at Black Box on the website there shopping around, even if you're not buying anything, just at least check it out, see what they have to offer. You won't be disappointed. If you do end up throwing something in that cart, uh, use the code THN at checkout. Save yourself 10% off your order. It all adds up, especially with the current economic climate, even though I'm reading that it's slowly looking like it might be getting better, like it's on the upturn. So we'll see. It'd be good news for everybody. I might hold the record for the longest black box shipment shipped Iraq to Utah. Not cheap, but worth it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, unfortunately, that's with any of the caging companies, like shipping is going to be going to be pretty pretty brutal regardless so especially right now it seems like the postal service jacks their rates up this time of year and then uh i'm sure fedex and ups follow suit as well so either way uh go on the website check it out if you have any questions please message the page or shoot black box an email they will answer it promptly uh and you know Ask a question, get an answer. What a system. The way it should be. Then, also use that THN code at fullvisapparel.com. Save yourself 15% off your order. That is just for THN viewers and listeners like you. Just THN, Thomas, Henry, Ned, Phonetics. Jesus. Yeah. <clears throat> um. 
a lot of orders still going out. You know, it's it's been really good that Black Friday sale did did good things in terms of getting it out there and, and people grabbing stuff. So it's good. I got this this new this Fisher's old Fisher's chameleon shirt that I I made today. This is like the test print to see how it how it did. Looks good. I'm happy with it. So probably add that up here soon. Um what else? I got some coffee mugs. I got to add those to the site too. Start getting those sort of rolling. And then I, I started working on some of those 20 ounce tumblers. Uh, but the mug press that I'm using is really kicking my ass. So going to have to change up some things there, but those will eventually be up as well. Um, give it a follow Facebook, Instagram, fullvisapparel.com. Uh, and then Puget Sound Pythons. Find folks the Pacific Northwest. Hey, Miguel. Hadn't seen him in a long time. I know, man. It's been too long. He's back. He is. Um, Jeff and Kendra, awesome people. Please give them a follow. They have a, a pretty big breeding season coming up from the sounds of it. So if you go give them a follow and stay in the loop on that. Uh, hunt them down on Morph Market. Follow them there. Even though I don't know what y'all's experience has been, but when you follow a store on Morph Market, it doesn't seem to matter because it's not going to tell you if I something new it. is like posted because I've done it for a few people that I, you know, I want to pay attention to, but I never get told that they're posting anything or it's weird. I don't know why it's there. It seems completely arbitrary, but <clears throat> it's neither here nor there. You're muted. You, you can always, you can always go to like your follow the, the pages you follow to if you can't remember the name of a business or you can't remember who had this one snake but you know it was someone you followed you can go to your pages that you follow and shop from there i like on it. Mark market yeah no oh, i don't know i haven't really investigated a whole lot i just know that there's been a few people that i hit follow and i'm like cool now maybe it'll notify me when they start posting stuff and it it never does so I, maybe that's not what it's meant for maybe still it just, check them out yes you did sound pythons and then cold-blooded caffeine, last but not least. Uh, the Snakes and Stogies blend is now available at the link down below in the description. Uh, if you're not using that link, which is also fine, coldbloodedcaffeine.com, use the code S and S. With and is an ampersand. It's not spelled out. Um, get 10% off some coffee and other accoutrement. I believe I have a box coming from them here Wednesday. I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm almost out of my uh, my initial coffee that I got. I'm almost I'm almost out, so it's time to re up. Try it. I gotta give what? them a try. I haven't it's tried it good. yet. I I'm had, not uh, the biggest coffee drinker, but. Yeah, I mean, I I, I appreciate it. I mm. I drink it not super regularly, but I definitely prefer the the good stuff over sort of the most of the store bought stuff. Um, but ours, like objectively, the blend that they made for us is really good. It's very good. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And what the did Nate Truax uh, message me the other day? And he's like. It's like, yeah, he's like, it's good, but the, the project herpeticulture blends better. 
Whoa. Like, he is messing with me, but I'm like, I honestly don't even know what their blend is, and I'm curious. I need to go look. <laughs> I'm yeah. wondering now. But yeah, we'll have to do uh do it. A blind Pepsi challenge. That's right. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, Nate plays with crocodilians. What does he know? He's right. not a snakes guy. <laughs> we love you, Nate. Uh, so what's new on the home front? Um, whole lot of nothing, really. I'm trying to think. No news is good news. I've, yeah, I've just been been busy working on shirt stuff and working and... My child is uh, dealing with lice right now, which is Ooh. wonderful. We Girl. found that out yesterday, so that was like a drop everything and go to Walgreens and get the NYX kit, and like it's been sucks. I don't it have it. Like you, you got you got the front line, bro. Just douse her in front. I, line. You know, look. So I tried to convince Katie because I was like. I can go to Tractor Supply and get a bottle of ivermectin and make an ivermectin solution, <laughs> and I'll bet you it'll that'll work better than this forty dollar you know Nick's kit. It's forty dollars now. Forty four. Wow, dude! I remember when it For was a lot It was like thirteen ninety five. I mean, comb. It's a and it's and the they have like an essential oil spray that apparently they don't really like. like I don't. It makes her smell like a like a tiki torch. It's citronella or something. Oh God! But I was like, "Look, like I can make an ivermectin solution, and I can whip one up, no problem. Like it works great on everything. It's like it kills a lot of stuff. It's like I guarantee you, these lights won't stand a chance." She's like, "You're not a veterinarian or something like that." I'm like, "It's not even <laughs> like that. Like I'm, she's not like yeah. drinking it. It's not a magic potion." Yeah. So, well, I won't lie. I um, my most recent herb trip. We got so eaten alive by sand spurs and chiggers and mosquitoes that I was just continuing to itch a week after the trip. And I was convinced I brought home like bed bugs or something. Oh. And uh, I won't lie, I took frontline spray and I doused my mattress. So <laughs> <laughs> had to happen. Once it's in your head, too, you can't, you can't get it out of it. Yeah, yeah, scratching. mentally, mentally, yeah, yeah. Head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as we found out, like I started getting the, the ghost itches, mm -hmm. and I'm like, maybe yeah. I've got it. And then it was like, maybe what if I have to shave my beard? Nah, yeah, nah. no, I'm good. We she looked like my hair's short, thankfully. And if it, I just buzz it again, if, if I actually did have them, but yeah, man, they were uh, you, you gotta wonder like if she's got them and our friend's kid who had them as well, which is probably where she got them from, like. It's almost like a like a virus. It's like how 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 far does this thing go? Like how many kids got this right now? Yeah, they don't know it. It's it sucks. Yeah. Well, think about this: a hundred years ago, you were up the creek, it, or, or or longer. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> At least we have stuff like Nix. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, other than that, yeah, nothing going on. Casey Cannon came down Saturday. Oh, nice. Uh, picked up some some rodents. Cool. I froze off a bunch of rodents for him, so he picked the you know jetted down here and hung out for a little bit, and then made his trek back up. Um, Excellent. Yeah, and then just hanging out. It's good, man. It's good. Tis the season to. It's like the calm before the storm, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we so I was off Friday for a field trip, 
and so like coming back today it was stressful there's a lot to catch up on and like it's just that time of year everyone's you know everyone wants their shirts you know not even fulvius related but like actual like day-to-day work order kind of thing you know people want their shirts and they want them before christmas and everyone likes to wait until the very last minute so i was actually going to ask you remind me after the show to ask you about shirt stuff because i for those of you who don't know if you use the shop app you get points and turns into money right and it's minuscule right so i think i had like 10 bucks accrued or something and i bought a shirt from this one company for with my with my 10 dollar credit or whatever and uh the company i know is in pennsylvania and the logo is the the keystone state you know rectangular symbol for pennsylvania right and but it shipped from south carolina and i was like oh what are the odds i wonder if smitty made it but uh but that shirt smelled so bad whatever chemicals were in it or like maybe it was the packaging that it was in that shirt stunk like melted plastic so i didn't even i didn't even try it on it just threw it right in the wash and uh it's a polyester uh i don't it's probably a blend i mean it feels very similar to a fulvia shirt so gotcha but yeah who knows i know some of like those so when we do like cotton twill bags or something those when you heat them up and press them before they go on the, the printer like they smell horrible but it's not like a chemically plasticky smell it's that could be just from like the screen opener or something if it was screen printed you know there's there's a couple chemicals they use like spray tack to keep the shirt in place while they print it uh and then like a chemical that that dissolves that emulsion that they use for the screens that smells pretty strong too um but I mean, who knows? It, yeah, who knows? It could have also been the bag. So. Could have been the bag. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> What's new down yonder? Nothing much, man. We had some some nice, cool weather. You know, it got into the sixties, and I was really excited about starting to cool down stuff. And now it's back to like what is it like eighty two right now? It's disgusting. It's, it's yeah, it's been like high seventies here again. I'm like, these snakes are trying to sleep. Damn it. Yeah, it's 77 right now with a 84% humidity. So, yeah, yeah. But uh, just checking the Govi and the desert room is holding well. So uh, despite this disgusting peak in soupage, uh, it's actually uh, only 75 in there with it peaked to 46% humidity. So it's holding. It's holding. I can live with Those that. Are great, great little devices. I know, right? Why? I got a room full of them. And for those of you curious, my VPD peaked at one point seven. I'm little still shout out to last week. <laughs> somewhat confused as to yeah. That well, of course, we all it, are. How it relates to to my room? Like, I kind of loosely understand the concept, but as that number means nothing to me. Maybe it's because it's not something I really have to have to worry about. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, shall we introduce our guest? What are you smoking this evening? Oh, yes, this evening. So I always butcher this name. Uh, Eo- Eora? Iroa. L-Iroa? I- Iroa. Iroa. Yeah. Um, I have no idea which one this is. It says on the on like the barcode, it says CBT. So Charlie Bravo Tango. Charlie Ben Thomas. I was assuming it was like Connecticut broad tobacco or something like that, but it's definitely not a Connecticut. It's dark. 
It's real dark. I mean, it could be a broadleaf. It'd just be. Let me look it up. Yeah, let's 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 fact check this. But uh, it's um a 2013 stick, and uh, it smells fantastic. It feels fantastic, and I like how Iroa. Is, is that how you say? Iroa, yeah. Iroa. They do a um like a partial wrapper. So I don't know if you guys can see it, but you have your normal band, and then this here. This is all wrapper, but it's open on the bottom. So I thought that was interesting. And it literally is like a sleeve, and it just slides off. So it says it is a Maduro wrapper, um, filler, and binder, all 100% Maduro. So it's almost like um, Camacho's triple Maduro. Okay. So I hope you ate before you're smoking that because it's I did. It's probably gonna you're probably I gonna did. feel it. I had London Broil. Oh nice. It was good. It was good. It doesn't say yeah. I guess I guess it's hundred percent Honduran. I don't know. It doesn't say specifically the country of, of origin. Yeah, and it says uh Calidad Superior. And then Yeah, it must be Honduras because Salud. Amor presentas. But yeah, it's a 2013 mm. stick, so we'll see. What about you? Uh, my father, Connecticut, which is one of my favorite Connecticut's bar none. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, they're so good. Legit. Um, I was going to go by the shop earlier, but Raj decided to not be there and leave a sign on the door that says back in 15 minutes, but you don't know if he's been there been gone five minutes or if he's been gone 35 minutes and that's the point of why he puts that sign on the door because he's an asshole um so i ended up sitting there for 15 minutes and then when he didn't show up i was like whatever i was really irritated because this is like the second time this week that he's done that where he's not there and i'm gonna put him on blast right here because someone's got to so i ended up getting back in my car riding over to the liquor store that has two humidors that are fairly decent and uh, grabbing grabbing one of these, so there it is. They're delicious. They're great, no matter where you get them. They are. They are very. It's a great Connecticut. One of the few Connecticut's I like. Really? Why is that? I just I like a darker smoke. The um, and I always forget the one, the best one, Charter Oak. Right there <clears throat> it is. Charter Oak, best Connecticut ever made. <clears throat> I don't know. Those intemperance Connecticut's are pretty damn good. That's a pretty tough one to beat. I'll tell you what, though. This thing is light and really weird. I was going to say, you don't look like you you're lit all the way. <laughs> and, like, I don't want to I don't want to draw too much more because, I mean, I'm going to suck the whole flame in there. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> well, while Phil gets that handled... Um, Yes, this week we are joined by another fellow Pacific Northwesterner, uh, Mr. Sean Perry of Sound Serpents. Yeah. Here to talk about some some bloods and short tails. Yeah. Is it? I, yeah, I was going to say, like, I naturally want to say bloods. Everybody does. Yeah. But is it bloods or is it short tails too? Kind of like, do you keep. Uh, so, like, short tails is the complex. And the easiest way to remember is all bloods are short tails, not all short tails are bloods. So, you know, your Sumatran short tails, your Borneo short tails, but they're all part of the same complex. 
Right. Right. Yeah. But everybody, you know, black bloods, Borneo bloods. I mean, you hear it all. It's mm-hmm. everybody does it. So we're a little picky about it, you know, as far as us in that like niche or specific group. But yeah, everybody does it. So. I don't want to be one of those guys where they're like, oh, those are cool bloods. And they're like, they're short tails. <laughs> well, I, I always say that I'm old enough and I've been in this hobby long enough to, mm-hmm. to be able to say black blood. <laughs> oh, same. Yeah. That's what they, yeah. that's what they were called when I was growing up too. So exactly. Exactly. You know, it drives me a little crazy when I see it, but I'm not one of those people that needs to like jump on it and be like, Hey, you know, yeah, it's whatever. Yeah. You know, it's annoying, but it's whatever. Well, I got, we got Nick here too. And he's got me scared. Nah. He might he might roll on down here and shoot me in the leg. <laughs> Nick's good people, good guy. He is. Um. So kind of the the usual jumping into things. Uh, mm. you know how did you how did you get into herps? Give us the short version, the long version. Yeah. And how I mean, did you it's... how did you land on uh, Curtis and? and bloods yeah yeah it's probably somewhere between the long and short story that you know it's probably the same as you guys or anybody that's that's watching it's uh at this point you know i'm 36 so i mean i'm not old but it's been my life is at this point as far as i can remember you know i've been keeping probably since i was around eight or nine you know i started keeping my first short tails which at the time were sumatrans that's probably like oh one or oh two um but yeah, like I remember, you know, as a kid, I took a trip to Florida with the parents and went to a gator park. And the, at the end of it, there was like the option to hold the alligator or a snake. And, uh, you know, back then it was a, a Colombian red tail, you know, Imperator, you know, just BI, BI now. But um, I just remember because the Colombians, if you guys remember back then, you know, the stock was totally different. It was like this beautiful gold Colombian. I wouldn't say a red tail, but a lot more colorful than what you've seen in like the late nineties, two thousands. And I just remember being like blown away. Like, you know, the gator had his mouth taped. I'm like, that doesn't seem exciting, but like I could hold a snake, you know, that was nuts. And uh, yeah, I've seen that. And then it was just kind of like off to the races, you know, I'm just begging my parents and they didn't really have much give on that. Um, and, you know, a few years later, you know, as we were speaking earlier um, about Providence, there was a pet shop called Regal Reptiles at the time, uh, ran by a guy named Sean Fay, and um, it was pretty close to my house, so I would just go there and annoy the shit out of them. You know, every <laughs> every chance I got, I'd spend my whole day at the pet store. My my dad would call me at the pet store to make sure I was coming home, and uh, they imported a ton of stuff, so I really got to be like hands on and see so many things. Um, and they let me volunteer at the shop. I usually tell people like I worked at a pet shop, but I didn't. I just sat there, and they were kind enough to let me stay there. I mean, technically, you if you did like labor, you did work. Yeah, I mean, I did. I did some work. You know, it was whatever, but it was it was small. But the uh, the everyone starts off as a cricket boy. Yeah, and the experience was you know that that's immeasurable. The the stuff I yeah. got to see, especially that time frame, uh, late nineties, early two thousands. It was you guys know everything was coming in. It was. It was amazing. The wild, yeah. West. A lot of this, yeah, the stuff people are paying top dollar for and consider rare now, or a dime a dozen, you mm-hmm. know. And things weren't that expensive. Expensive animals, you know, what three, four hundred bucks at the most, you know. Back then, I was into boas, yeah, and I was Argentines and drumrolls 
you couldn't sell drum rolls. Argentines were like 150 bucks. Yeah. And that was an expensive boa back then, you know? Time, I mean, times have changed, obviously. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's really the story. It's the same as everybody's. I just, you know, going outside, catching garter snakes, salamanders, frogs, and you just kind of went from there. And then I guess to circle back to the short tails thing, um, prior, um, I had a collection probably around the same size, same size, but it was primarily just focused on boas, um, a lot of locality stuff and, you know, different species. And that was really my first focus. And then mm -hmm. I kept short tails on and off. And then probably the last four years or so just went all in and just dialed in completely and only keep short tails really now, besides maybe a few boas and a couple other pythons. What locality in boas were you sort of heavy? Uh, back then it was definitely more like, uh, not getting too into localities, but species, um, you know, boa constrictor constrictor at the time. Mm -hmm. um, I was really into Surinams, Peruvians, um, had Argentines and, you know, had Dumerals and then localities, um, Hogs Islands, stuff yeah. like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was young, so I, my collection definitely wasn't as focused as it would be now if I were to dive into it, but it was, it was still pretty focused. I still miss, man. I, I, I had a, a Nicaraguan phase for a while where I kept mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of those. And every now and then I'll see some pictures of some for sale and I'll get the, the urge and be like, I just, you know, just, just a pair. Yeah. Just yeah. A pair. So I'm I know still, that's not what's going to happen. I'm still fully like into bows. <laughs> like I still have Argentines, still have doom rolls. Um, I have some Solomon Island ground boas, some rough scaled sand boas. Um, now it's just time and space, you know, it's, I don't have yeah. either. So yeah. it's like a lot easier to focus in on something at this point, but for uh, sure, once, once I move to a new space, it will definitely grow again for sure. So everyone that comes on this show that keeps doom roll boas, I always mm -hmm. ask them, do your doom rolls have a weird birthmark patch under their chin? Yeah, they pretty they much do? all do. Yeah. All okay. mine do, but in general, most doomerals all have, it's kind of like yeah. a translucent little, like, yep. yep, Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's common. Yeah. 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 And all I always ask, I'm waiting for someone to say, no, they don't. I've heard people <laughs> say no. And it always kind of leads ah, me to think that they nah. probably have a, a hybrid, uh, you know, a Madagascan yeah. ground board drum rolls. Yeah. Um, Cause I've never not seen it on a drum roll. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like a hybrid like that would be fairly obvious though. No. So I have one um and it was not bought for that reason but it's the reason it also hasn't left my my place because i i don't want to put it out there mm -hmm. it's a pet only animal and at a young age she was really vibrant in color it wasn't super noticeable until you looked at the head scales um because they have larger like shield scales yeah um it's probably one of the most beautiful animals ever but as it aged it was definitely a lot more obvious that it wasn't a drum rolls bow for sure but hmm. i got duped and didn't it, didn't know it until it arrived, and then you know what do you do from there? Well, I mean, if you're if you're gonna get duped, I feel like that's a good dupe, you know. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I'm not mad, I'm not mad about it. She's a, a beautiful animal, so it's cool. It's whatever. You know, have to have pets too. That's right. Um, I had something boa related too. Yeah, I uh, the Nicaraguans I liked, and then I had a, a pair of Terra Humaras oh, those for, are awesome. for a while too. And I, I, that's the one species that I, I fully, fully regret getting rid of. They were, they were horrible, yeah, but God, they were cool. <laughs> like they were. No, they're awesome. 
all those uh, insular species are mm-hmm. really cool, man. The Calker's K, the Corn yeah, Islands, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, cool stuff. I mean, not the the Tarumara and Island Bowie, but they're still a dwarf species. Right, they're yeah. cool as hell. And those I always wanted some some Calkers, but never. Yeah, at the time, like they they weren't very readily available. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they're probably even harder to get now than they were. Yeah, they're still twenty now. years ago. You know? mm-hmm. But um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I again, sometimes I get that itch. I just want those smaller boas. You know, I never the South American stuff. Eat. It's gorgeous, and I you know I like it for what it is. But it was never something that appealed to me in terms of like size and, and keeping them. Mm-hmm. Um, it was always the Central American stuff that I was drawn to a little more. But gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. All cool stuff. That's for sure. Your, uh, your, your hog islands were, did you have more peppery ones or did you have more pink ones or what? Yeah. So mine were, um, from Vin Russo. Well, I had a pair from Vin Russo, but then I had a pair of Sears lines as well. Um, and I always preferred the more peppery animals myself. I like the high pattern still to this day. That's, that's kind of, if I'm looking, that's what I like. Yeah. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. It just makes for a great contrast, especially when they hit that light phase. It's oh yeah, it's really nice. Mm. Oh yeah, very cool, man. Yeah, cool stuff. One day I'll get back into it. You know, first life kind of stuff. I got yeah, I've got a man. I've got a, a laundry list of stuff where it's like, hey, when space opens up, this is I'm we're getting back to them. It's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same here. <laughs> Dart frogs being one of those. Oh, right on. That's cool. Dude, I'm just, like Bill posted some of those pictures today of some somebody, you know, someone basically dropped off to him at the at the facility there, and I was like, God, I want some of those again. There's a couple different kinds, but they were just man, they're so much fun. It was I'll take those over saltwater tanks any day. I don't know how people mm. do the saltwater tanks; it's too much work. Yeah, it's not for me either. <laughs> but um current collection what are you what's sort of the you know i know it looks like you keep a lot of a lot of morph related stuff but yeah how's that kind of split i would for the longest time it was definitely 50 50 like more uh you know quote unquote normal line bread stuff and i'd still probably say that stuff probably represents like 25 percent of the collection and it's actually my instagram would not tell you this but it's actually i prefer i prefer that kind of stuff the, um, the morph projects were kind of like just a whim. It was, uh, you know, going back to boas, it was what I liked about that is you could have, you had multiple species, you had localities, um, you had all these like line bred animals. So, you know, specific lineage and whatnot. And when I made the jump into short tails, it was, we have all that, you know, there's a, as far as locality, not so much. I mean, right. you have your Bankas, you have your Sarawaks with the Borneos, um, but with the bloods like naturally occurring color phases, you have the yellows, oranges, reds. Um, then the Sumatrans, you have the northern and the southern race, uh, the Borneos. So when I kind of jumped into that, that was the focus. And then the morphs kind of crept in. And then, you know, I hate to have that ball python mentality. But once you kind of get into it, you're like, well, I could, I could have a couple of these. I could have a couple of this. And it just kind of snowballed. But the selectively bred, the line bred stuff is actually probably what I like way more than the morphs morphs themselves. Yeah. It can't hurt to have a yellow, this a white, that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I try to do that with my, my normal stuff. Like I have, um, I have a yellow project I'm working on. I have some really nice, uh, 
animals from different people, but a lot of uh, modern stuff in my collection. Um, then Sumatrans, I have blacks, chromes, orange heads. I have the Sarawaks for the Borneos. So yeah, a little bit of everything for sure. Super cool, man. Super Thanks. cool. I saw you, you have golden eyes. You also have, um, uh, what is it? Magpie. I, so I don't have magpie, um, okay. but I do have a couple of different golden eyes and, um, yeah, so that is a martyr. Uh, actually, that's that. a martyr panic line cross, and that's from Kara. And panic, manic, manic panic is one of her uh, her her bloodlines. I just when I think bloods, like that sort of yeah, weird classic, graphite right? head. Yeah, I just yeah. I love that. Well, it's funny because we say I say classic, but I mean that's not what bloods looked like thirty years ago. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well put. Well put. But everyone, you know, associates the red, and that's the same animal as well. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to actually see because the pictures are so small. But I'm pretty sure. Um, actually, no, that's just a regular martyr, um, and that's from Matt O'Malley's O'Malley's morphs, Matt Gabarant. Just but Goldeneye definitely makes up a decent part of my collection for sure. Yeah, man, it's a great looking animal and uh, the the coolest name, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially yeah, for, for our, our name, right? our, our generation, right? Yeah. Nintendo sixty four for life. <laughs> yeah, you got the golden eyes and the double O sevens. Yeah, can't go wrong. Yeah. Great looking. I love that Woma look. Go go back oh, to me. With the, the yellow middle. head. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, thing, yeah. Man. That thing is killer. Yeah, so that's that's the northern race of the Sumatrans, the orange heads, the pumpkin heads. Super and that's cool. that's a, an animal from Matt as well. He's working on a, a stripe project. You don't really see many like morphs within the um, Sumatrans. Yeah. And that's something he's been kind of breeding and selecting for is for the high stripes. Hmm. Yeah, just nuts. My my time with with these was was pretty short i had a a baby for a while and that just i think we've talked about it a couple times but it's it was like the jack in the box thing for me that i just Mm -hmm. it was like mental torture because you knew it was watching you you knew it was going to happen oh they're always watching (laughs) damn it you know that is definitely a a short tail trait they're they're always watching (laughs) a little sucker would get so huffy and puffy like you mm-hmm. can see the the bedding moving because of how like heavy oh, yeah. it's breathing. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah they got that like ticking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. They were fun. I so, again, like it's one of those things where it's like maybe I maybe I just need to give them another shot. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely, yeah. and they've came they've came so far. I mean, you know, <clears throat> within my whole group, I have three animals maybe that like I don't trust. Yeah. yeah, but I can I can still work with you know no problem. Um, Look at that though, man! Look at that contrast. Yeah. So that's, that's a killer. that's a genetic striped golden eye from a uh, Nick Patini, cold blooded Earth. Nice. Yeah, that's a it's one of my favorites. Yeah, man, for sure. Oh, look at that one in the middle. Oh. It's just crimson, man. Yeah, and in person, he's like that's he's like ox blood. Oh, and awesome. just as bright as that picture shows, like the you know the yellows or golds or whatever. Yeah, S- Smitty, go to that that golden eye above it. 
look at that man yeah that's I'm a like, um Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I was gonna say I'm not a I'm not a white snake kind of guy, but like that mm -hmm. is not a white snake. That has got that cream color. It's you can still see the ventral stripe or the oh, vertical yeah. stripe, the jet black man. Like that snake see, it's is like awesome. The, it's the facial pattern on those for me. Like that that oh, yeah. almost, almost gaboon like stripe going behind the eye, and that's like know. what they're the, the closest resemble. I you know get that comparison a lot. The mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that one's actually that's a 007 that's a super stripe 007 oh wow and if you if you've seen it in person a ton of color there's like reds in there yellows it's actually it's quite yeah i mean you can number. kind of see some of that peeking through down here near mm -hmm. the tail yeah, yeah they're just absolute killer thanks man. it's like you can't decide what you like more because this is also just as awesome as like the, the almost patternless yeah. stuff, you know, it's like, yeah, you see the dilemma I have. <laughs> it's just it's so like, bizarre that it's got that burnt spine, but then it's got the you know, it opens up into those just light sides. And dude, it's the love child of a Sulawasi retic and a Kaboom Viper. <laughs> there you go, yeah, I like yeah, that. yeah. It's a good comparison, fair enough. Oh, here we go. Yeah, there's a was it Argentine? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Nice. Oh, my girls. Oh, look at that thing, man. Cryptic as hell. Awesome. I mean, you can't beat Argentines and Drumrolls for that like cryptic, just yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I get excited just looking at these pictures. Like you're showing them and I'm like getting excited, you know. So all right, just it's kind of hard because because obviously they're on they're on the ground, there's really no scale. But how big yeah. is that Argentine? Is that Neo? No, she's about three. And okay, I, I mean cool. I I kind of I hate using the terms like slow grow and stuff because I feel like people take them to extremes, but yeah, um, I, I don't feed heavily and she's about three years old, you know? Okay, cool. And in that picture, that drum rolls is maybe in its, I can't see the year in the picture, but maybe it's first year going into a second year. one weeks ago, October 1st. Yeah. So maybe like two years, year and a half, maybe. And who knows when I took the picture? I take so many yeah. by the time I get to posting them. So hey, you look at the wood planks in the background. What's that? Four inch, four inch wide plank. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that that gives you good scale, man. That's a good looking animal. Good size animal. Yeah, I've never been a, a heavy feeder. You know, not just yeah. not my thing. No need oh, for it. Dude, look at those eyes. Awesome eyes. Like the lipstick demon from Insidious. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's great. I don't know why they called it. I thought his name was like legitimately. Look, thought his now, name was what, deep. Go back to that granite one. <clears throat> is that a is that a granite? Is granite a thing in short tails? I would say it's the closest to granite. So that's a um, that's an old picture, but that's a matrix. So batik and matrix combined. Very cool. But yeah, very similar to the granite pattern. Yeah, for sure. that's yep. awesome. You can see it still has some of that graniting on the head too, which is cool. Yeah, that's they tend to have a lot of like speckling. Yeah. See, man, this is and so granite awesome is a thing you see in Borneos. I think you might have just passed a, a Borneo that has some granite in it. If you go up a little bit, and that's a male Dumerals. He's like a 2017, so you can see that you know he's not very large. Mm -hmm. Which one was it? Uh, just if you went back down, it was like right under the children's python. This one. Yeah, there you go. Oh wow. 
So that's a granite stripe fade um, Borneo short tail. Dude, that's so cool, man. And and it's crazy how blood morph names make sense. Like <laughs> a lot of them do. <laughs> like granite fade. Like the yeah, snake yeah, is clearly yeah. faded. It has granite on the sides. It has a a, a, a vertebral stripe. Like yeah. it is what it says. Like they that's call all a spade. spade. Yeah, exactly. I feel like a lot of the the Borneo traits um, definitely are a lot. Like their names kind of say what they are. You know, lattes, ultra brights. You kind of can tell what they are. Yeah. What about where did Matrix come from? So Matrix is a is a is a blood gene. And Matrix is uh so that's incomplete dominant, you know, the ivory is the super form. Okay. Look at that. Does it get any darker? That will be a jet black animal, yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that, that will be completely black. Yeah, that's killer. Super. I have some that are a little more high contrast, but that that particular animal will be jet black. And do they keep the eyes? Some do. Okay. Yeah, some will some will keep the silver eyes, but a lot of them turn to orange. All right. So taking morphology out of it, what is what what do you lean more towards, Borneo stuff or Sumatran stuff, or like like are you a Black's blood guy or are you a Red Bloods guy? So Sumatrans, my favorite are the orange heads or the chrome heads. Um, and then those are, I would say that's my favorite species in the complex. Uh, Borneo, not for any particular reason, but probably my least favorite. Um, and then my collection's probably pretty blood heavy though, to be honest. Yeah. But stuff like that, like an orange head Sumatran, absolutely mm. my favorite. Yeah, that's awesome. But it's kind of weird, you know, you have these ideas in your head, and then I look at my collection, and I'm just like, wow, it's really blood heavy. <laughs> There's well, a lot is, of more in there. <laughs> is that a Timor? It is, yeah. It's yeah. a Lesser Sunda? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I actually Dude. passed that girl off to Jeff and Kendra. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, great animal, dude. It was. I mean, that's a lie. It, it sucked. It was nice to look at, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she wasn't bitey, but you know, pissed it's over. A, it's a great. Everything. It's a great snake after it's emptied its bowels. Yeah, and it's an even greater snake now that it's somewhere else. Oh <laughs> man! But they are cool, man. Cool for sure. That's awesome. I had no idea that Jeff and Kendra even had a lizard Sunda. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they picked up a male at this point, but I, I'm pretty sure when I when I gave them that girl. Um, that was their first one, yeah. And I think she might have been about two years when I when I passed her to them. Nice, nice. Yeah. Did that one come from Ryan? No, so did that I got that a few years before Ryan um, produced okay. his. Um, that was actually, you know, it was listed as a, a captive-born animal, but that was a pickup from Nerd. Yeah, so, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Grain of salt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. But never any problems. Healthy animal came in good, did well. That's cool, so, man. Yeah, I got nothing bad to say. So you've got a ton of great animals. You got a ton of punnet squares in your brain lined up. What's the breeding plan? Do you have a time frame? Do you have a a first couple first round picks that you want to do? Yeah, What's the for plan? sure. Um, well, right now I have um, some orange heads paired up, um, a, car a caramel to a het caramel. Um, that has some striping going on. So I, I hope to push that forward. Um, most of my animals are in like the grow out stage. I have a lot of animals approaching that kind of four year mark and that will, you know, 
hopefully with some of those animals, if, if the weight's there, that will be the start of it. Um, but for bloods, I'm really into the slack line project and not a lot of people are working with that. I mean, what, it's what out is, what there. Is that? It's so it's a, it's another stripe gene, but it, it works a little different than, you know, a lot of stripes. Um, I guess I lean towards they're more polygenic cause you're kind of just stacking them even with super stripes. Um, but the slack line works in kind of a weird way where there's three levels. And I would say there's quite a few people that have a, a good idea of how it works, but I don't think it's been worked enough and really locked down to know exactly how it works. Um, but the level one animals tend to be not so much stripe, but a little more banding. And then your level twos will have the stripes. And then your level threes really look a lot more like super stripes, you know, very reduced side pattern heavy stripe, bold. Um, and I really want to work that into a lot of my projects and some of the lesser known albino lines like the T plus yellow or the T neg lavender. That's, a, that's actually a slack line animal. That's a, a level two slack line batik. So is the slack line like that, that thick stripe that's going down the back and then the yeah, batik so is that animal, sort of leoparding type? Yeah. Especially so you can really see that that dorsal pattern a batik is like broken up. That's, you know, classic right. batik. But how it's really just defined, that's that's the slack line adding to that. It's really just tightening up that dorsal pattern. Oh, it's so weird. It just it's really like cleans chaotic, it up. but clean at the same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yes, it's awesome. Yeah, that's that's a favorite right there. That's one of my favorite animals. It's also, it just gets cleaner, like, as the further down it goes. Yeah, yeah. And it has a lot of great blacks, which, you know, will lend to you know some teenage projects and stuff like that so i'd really like to get those animals into into some al albino traits it's trying to pull some up as we're as we're talking about them but yeah the, i don't know the projects they're all over the place i mean i definitely have things that are big focuses you know, I really want to work with the pollen and the flower gene more. Um, slack lines big. Um, and there's a lot of stuff, honestly, you know. And I think at this point for me, it's there's a lot of stuff I'd like to selectively breed to, to make better, or at least what I think is better. Um, but at this point, it's really kind of just stacking some of those combinations. It's it's kind of uncharted territory. I mean, there's guys doing it, right? Like Nick's doing it on a high level. Mm -hmm. Elijah at Juggernaut's doing it on a high level. Um, there's smaller, lesser known guys that are doing it too, but as a whole, it's it's really still uncharted territory. So that there's room for everybody. There's room for a lot of projects. You know, it's everything's kind of fair game at this point. Hell yeah, yeah. How how are you? Uh, how are you keeping most of the stuff? Uh, like as far as temperatures, that kind of stuff. Well, I, I was more so like so many people think in their mind, okay, this is a, a lowland forest area yeah. animal. Do I need these litter? Do, yeah. Do you mm. keep them on newspaper like a lot of people? Do you do yeah, yeah. substrate I'll, I'm, at all? I'm not like, I know it's like sometimes it's taboo for people, but um, yeah, racks, paper, uh, very simple setups. Um, and part of that reason is, you know, bioactive cages, whatever, whatever the different things are and ways people keep. There, there's no wrong or right way, but there's like things that work better for certain species, you know? Yeah. And for an animal like this, um, just the amount of urine they pass, it makes it r incredibly hard and expensive if you're maintaining a larger collection to keep that collection sanitary. It's, um, and it's expensive, it's costly. 
but with paper and racks, I, I'm in there every day. So nothing's ever left. I can clean, move on. It keeps it simple. And when you keep these species, the one thing you'll realize is I'm in there every day. Sometimes those snakes don't move for a week. You know, yeah. they, won't, they don't move an inch. I mean, they're ambush predators. They're completely fossorial. They don't want to do anything. They just want to wait for food. And if you provide everything correct for them, sure, you can do more, but you don't need to. And it makes it a lot easier to keep things simple because you won't run into problems. When you have dirty cages with these guys, you know, their lung is 75% of their body. And you keep a cage with that high ammonia smell. Yeah, that's yeah. why they get respiratory infections. You can't, you can't keep them like that. So sanitary, clean, simple, it's, it's the best way. If you have two or three animals, go, go crazy. Do whatever you yeah. want to do, you know. But when you're keeping a collection, it's just it's not really feasible. It's not with a species. Yeah. No, I agree. There's there's a ton of, of parallels between between those and chondros. And it's, you know, I know mm -hmm. I'm not the only person that's that's talked about it, but they're they're kind of like the, the chondros of the ground. Uh <laughs> They're the you know, same I, and completely opposite. Yeah, <laughs> like I feel the I feel the same way as far as like the natural versus simple setups. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel that the simple thing just works better for chondros overall. Um, mm -hmm. You know the the care and stuff as far as temperature sort of ranges you're wanting to keep them at, feeding regimens like humidity, like the similarities between those two groups is is freakish considering how very close they are. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean I I. I'm in the same boat as you, you know, it's like you can do the naturalistic thing and it looks great mm -hmm. and all, but in, in my opinion, um, I think you're just making things harder on yourself. Absolutely. I think it's just, just asking for more issues than, than you really needed. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, what's your feeding regimen like on, on yours, like from small stuff to, to adults, you know, that first year, um, you know, they're on pups and to weans. Um, you know, I don't really like to push anything, but, you know, by that first year, you know, you're in that small range for sure. Um, by the end of that year, you're in mediums and you, you can get there faster. You know, I guess, you know, you're never going to see a fat short tail that's one or two years old, right? Like they're using all that energy yeah. to grow. Yeah. Um, you can push them. You can push them hard if you wanted to because um, they'll use it. They'll absolutely use it. But once you hit that three or four year window, you know, except for maybe cycling to breed, you really need to dial it back. You can't, yeah. you can't just pump these guys with food. It's so, you know, seven to 10 days as babies. Uh, once they hit that, usually two years, I'm probably at like 10 to 14 days. Um, my males at the three to four year range, you know, they're eating every three weeks, maybe a medium rat, my females three weeks to a month, a large rat, you know, then when feeding comes around a few months before they might get, a, you know, weekly for a couple months, shut them down and let them empty out and feed them heavy a little bit again, but pretty like standard Python keeping, you know, it's, it's nothing crazy. It's probably what more people should do, you know, <laughs> slow it down a bit. Yeah. Again, it's just, you know, Condor is the same way. It's like when they're young, they're, they do great. They coast no problem, but it's like they hit mm -hmm. that, that, two or three year mark and that metabolism slows down even more for mm -hmm. an already slow metabolism snake and it's like they just they get they get chunky really quick yeah and when you're dealing with those those more sedentary ambush type species they don't burn calories like that yeah. that weight shows up but it doesn't leave like it's mm -hmm. so hard to get weight off of green trees and i'm sure bloods and short tails are no yeah. no different yeah. um 
you know, it's it's super easy to get them get them really really fat, and it's very difficult to get them to lose that. Mm-hmm. You know, so my males is the same way for me. Like with my male chondros, it's they get fed a much lighter diet you know much less frequently like they're kept pretty lean yeah Uh, females i do my best to keep on the leaner side um i have a couple where that's worked out great and i've had i got a couple where they're they're definitely a little a little heavier than i prefer them to be um but yeah it can be tough because it's like once they hit that that stage where they're just not growing as much you know all of a sudden they're just storing all that food they're taking in. it's not getting processed and they just gets out of no need, no need to keep the males big and it's the same mm-hmm. with the chondros yeah. like you yeah. see with the females they give so much to their clutches like you need to put that weight on the females for short tails like you, they need it because they put so much into those eggs um but other than that like you don't need you don't need big snakes you don't need to push the limits it's mm-hmm. it's not good it's unhealthy shorten the lifespan of your animal it's just it's no good you know what size setup are you keeping your like your older animals in? Uh, so for the most part, like any of my animals that are adult stage, uh, with the range they're in for weight and height, they're in the ARS eighty fives. So like the eighty five, uh, I have the eighty five fourteens, um, and that will accommodate most um, most short tail adults because you're kind of getting into the realm of like a four foot by two foot cage essentially in floor space. Um, you will have the occasional animal that will need bigger space, like more like the boa tubs from vision and mm-hmm. ARS. Um, but males, like even my adult males, a lot of them, they can be kept in seventies. Some may need more room, but they're, if you keep your males at a good size, they don't really outgrow that too much. And of course there's always going to be people that, that argue that, right? I mean, you know, there's always going to be an argument for more space, but they do pretty well in that. They like confined space. They like, to be able to touch multiple sides of their hives, right. their tubs, and that's you know, again, that's that's one of those things where it's like you gotta you gotta do what what the recipe calls for with you know mm-hmm. whatever species you're dealing with, and it's like bloods and seem to be a perfect example of like if you give them something massive, they're not gonna do great. Like, yeah, they want that contact security. They want that that tight space. You know, mm-hmm. they want the minimal you know they want that mm-hmm. like, that's um but yeah i'm probably guilty of letting my babies go a little longer than they need to in their you know their grow out tubs um because they just do so much better just even moving them yeah. into like the, the yeah. 55s yep. sometimes they just it's too much it's for the them same with chondros dude yeah. i've had that same problem where i bumped them up from you know a, a six quart they've outgrown that fully and put them into something like a you know, a 20 cord or, or something a little bigger than that. And they just don't, doesn't transfer. They just don't, mm-hmm. don't do as well. So I end up moving them back until I can sort of figure out what I need to do to, to make it work. But it's just this whole concept of, of every species needs, <laughs> you know, to start 40 gallons minimum, Yeah, you know, and that's, that's human nature too. You want to fit everything into this like box and you really have to be, yeah. uh, you got to watch your animals, you know, what do they say? A, a student of the serpent, mm-hmm. you got to pay attention to your animals. You know, you have to, yeah. or you're never going to be successful, whether it's breeding, keeping, whatever it is, you, you have to pay attention. I just, I feel bad for, for the newer people that are coming into the hobby and they're, you know, joining these Facebook groups and stuff and asking for advice. And you have these, the loudest people in the room are the ones with the worst information. And most mm-hmm. of the time, from what I've seen, and it's people that are saying, Oh, you got a baby corn. Like 
40 gallon aquarium, nothing smaller, <laughs> minimum of eight hides, four on, on the cold end and four on the hot end. And maybe I mean, a 40 gallon aquarium for a baby like, corn is absolutely massive. That thing. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you it's might stupid. Well, like, just put it in the freaking Kalahari desert or something, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's we. That's another a thing people seem to to lose. Like the the idea gets lost of, like yeah, it seems small to you, but when you're that mm -hmm. little, you're Macaulay Culkin in the freaking mansion, man. Like, yeah, yeah. You got all the room in the world. It's it just there's a weird aspect ratio sort of to it that. Well, I think a lot of these people haven't spent any time in the field. I mean. When you go out and look for animals, where do you find them? You, you know, they're in tight, confined spaces unless yeah. you're out, you know, basking or something or looking for food. You're finding them in a tight, confined space. That's where they like to be. You want to replicate that as much as possible. Sure, you can do it in a big cage, but it's pretty overwhelming if you haven't dialed in all your parameters. I mean, I'm sure Phil's had a, a very similar experience keeping, you know, gaboons and stuff. Is like if you keep a gaboon in like an oversized enclosure or something huge. Do they tend to kind of just shut down and not really? No, no, it's it's not the necessarily adults, but like younger stuff. If you put them in something huge, are they like, oh my god, what's going? So on? it is. It's very species specific. But if we're gonna go off of ambush predators, like like bitis, for example, dude, puff adders, puff adders will use every single square inch possible. Their sole goal in life is to move until they find the perfect spot, eat something. And then leave and find another perfect spot, mm -hmm. at least in my opinion. And, and it's going to be regional. It's going to be species specific. But gaboons, dude, I've had a gaboon not move for like six months. Mm -hmm. Like move, like move its butt, mind. like move its butt enough to take a crap away from where it's sitting. Mm -hmm. But like the head never moved. You know what I mean? Like just the back end moved. To the point where you're like, are you alive? <laughs> right. You or or it'll, it'll do. <laughs> to go in there with a hook and like. Just see if there's any reaction to it. Well, no. What you do is you 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 shine a flashlight in there and see if the pupil oh, dilates. Yeah. That's what you go. do. And then That's all of a smart. sudden, and all of a sudden, it, I, for those of you who are watching this, they do this, <laughs> and they yeah. they look at you from the side, right? And then every once in a while, you'll see the leaf litter just kind of raise up and fall and raise up and fall, much like your bloods, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, it sounds I mean, like what you're describing. Yeah, and so and that's just what it comes down to. Like ambush predators, if if the conditions are great, they don't need to travel. But something like puff adders, in my opinion, they're always traveling, even if it's just nightly. You know what I mean? So well, that's yeah. I mean, that's why I brought up gaboons specifically because I think of all the the larger bitters. I think puffs probably don't. That they're like the exception to that rule because yeah and that's and that's going to be the smaller stuff so like stuff that's in south africa and even like go so far as to say east cape kwazulu natal that the drakensberg like that area that southeastern corner do those things they're pretty active they're pretty active but like a puff in morocco on a on the side of a hill face is never going to move it's going to sit there because it, it the humidity is perfect. It has microclimate. It has a breeze. Right. It probably is drinking dew off its own body. Mm -hmm. It's just waiting for that mammal or that lizard to walk by. So it, it, it's, I feel like give them enough space that if they wanted to move, they could, but there's mm -hmm. no reason for a three foot fat stout snake to need an yeah. eight foot cage. Like it's yeah. just not, not, not in what we're talking about. No, it's not. It's yeah. It's not practical at that point, you know? 
when you have moved some of those smaller ones into you know the next size up as far as yeah. setup goes um i mean what's the first thing you notice that they that tends to sort of be the the hiccup like do they go off food is it so i have an experience uh going off food a lot of people do though um that's that's definitely pretty standard when the the enclosure needs aren't being met is definitely that's one of the first things it's even in the facebook groups or when people ask yeah. for advice like if your animal's not eating your temperatures are incorrect cage is too big it's it's pretty standard stuff um what i do notice is snakes that were very calm before um yeah. are very easily agitated um and that's usually across the board when they're not comfortable in their closure the personality changes is almost mm-hmm. instant and i'm kind of a hard ass i don't i don't go backwards if they're eating they're staying there um yeah, I'll, provide, I'll provide a tighter hide whatever yeah. you know crumpled up some more crumpled up paper but they're not going back into a smaller tub that's that, that's not happening you know as long as they're eating if they're not eating then i i'll dial it back and try some other things but other than that it's once they're there they can work out their quirks and i'll work around them until they calm down you know let them be snakes mm-hmm. that's that's basically it yeah that was the the first thing to go anytime i had issues with chondras being bumped up as they stopped eating which mm-hmm is very noticeable when you have an animal that has never refused a meal a day in its life, but mm-hmm. all of a sudden you try to feed it and it's like, no. Oh yeah. If something okay. in my room re- refuses, I know there's a, there's a problem. Like, first dip, first sign of, of something being, being off. And I mean, that's, that's, that's a great thing for being able to notice those kinds of kinds of things when that happens, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's, it's very clearly a red flag that, that something's going on. But um, I guess that's kind of the, the great part about species that are, always ready to eat yeah um i've also found that when i moved them up i figured out that if i took either the paper towel or the puppy pad or whatever it was i was keeping them on and put that into the new setup with the bigger setup even if it takes up a you know a small chunk of space that seemed to make a world of difference in terms of getting those animals to adjust faster Mm mm-hmm and get back on track sooner, like had far fewer issues. Cause I tried it with multiple individuals in, in green trees in particular. Um, I think after me and Phil had talked at one point about, you know, familial sense being around and that sort of helping them transition a little better. But I'm, I'm very curious if you, if you tried that with bloods, if you'd have a similar, similar thing. Cause with the green trees, it was. Yeah. Going, very going back to like the scent thing for sure. Um, so if I have an animal, you know, dirty a cage and I'm cleaning everything, a lot of the times um, I'll keep the hide. I won't, I won't sanitize and clean the hide. I'll put the hide back as is. And then, you know, obviously there's a time limit to that. I'll take it out eventually and, and clean it and sanitize it. If it's a mess, obviously it goes right away. Right, right. Um, but if it has a little bit of a scent to it, it's not dirty. I'll usually put that back in the tub. And, you know, am I thinking it helps things? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but I do find that there's probably definitely some comfort level to that. Um, mm-hmm. Just having that cage, the familiar smell. Yeah, man. I do notice like with babies. Yeah. When you put a baby in a, a perfectly clean cage, they're cruising. It's, it's, it's new territory all of a sudden. Right. So yeah, having some of that, uh, when I kept, when I kept my snakes on bedding, um, it'd be like three quarter cage uh, tub changes. You know, I'd maybe keep a quarter of that old material and mix it with the new stuff and keep it going. And then, you know, as time goes on, clean everything at some point but I'd always keep a little bit of the old material in my cages for sure 
I think it helps. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that with corn still. Where if I, I move them into something, I'll take a handful of that old bedding and, and mm-hmm. put it in there with the new. Um, especially for some of those smaller animals that are you know kind of weird about eating and and shy eaters and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, whether or not that actually makes any real difference with the with the corn <laughs> kings in particular, you know, it's whatever. But I like to think it does, and it's not like it's hurting anything by having you know this little sprinkle yeah. of. of familiar smells across the, the new stuff. So I think there's something to be said, you know, you want to keep things clean and as sanitary as possible. Let less issues arise that way. Um, but as a whole, I think we're a little too clean. A lot of people. Uh, and a lot of that stuff comes from, you know, the ball Python guys, you got to clean the cage and sanitize it every single time. And it's like, no, like yeah. if you, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Jeff Ronnie at the boa file. Uh, no. I know of him. I don't. Okay. Yeah, I don't so when him. he changes his like babies, his one, two year olds, he doesn't use anything but water, no sanitizing, no sprays, nothing. Wipes it down with water as long as it's not a mess. And they're right back, you know, and sometimes you can't argue numbers. He's wildly successful. Yeah. You know, animals are healthy, produced in large numbers for a long time. So, you know, there's probably something to be said for that as well. Yeah, it's got to be really, really, really gross for me to completely strip it down and, and fully disinfect and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I right now, like I use Zep for my my cleaner and I, I do it, have it pretty much just for water bowls at this point. Um, you know, because when I do water changes, I'll, I'll spray a couple pumps of that in there and let it sit for a few minutes and then wipe it out and refill it and, and put mm-hmm. it back in. But other than that, like unless the tub is absolutely disgusting and I'm keeping baby corns or something on paper towel where they're just destroying it constantly. And it's gross. Like I usually don't spray and wipe things down. Like I'll leave them kind of a little nasty. Just mm-hmm. does. You know? I am. I'm a little bit of a clean freak, but tubs and bowls, I, I'll, I'll let them go a little longer than, I mean, hides and bowls rather not tubs, but hides and bowls. I'll let go a little longer. Yeah, man, gotta gotta keep the smell like them, you know. Like uh, I said before, with with cobras and colubrids, the hide box has dried urates on it. I leave it, you know. It's not really affecting them. It's really not dirty per se, but it's got just enough scent to make it still feel like home and not entice them to poop on everything all over again. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Phil, the basis of of you sort of doing that was that you noticed that it was purposefully doing that it was like you put oh, yeah. in and it would ruin it and it's like okay oh, yeah. it clearly wants this to be that way so let's just yeah. right. let it do yep. that you know exactly short tails are notorious for that too i always say the the best part about cleaning day is cleaning the next day because as soon as they have a clean yeah. cage every time yeah. yeah which uh, with yeah. with green trees it's always surprised me how they're the exact same way and they they've really don't ever touch that that bedding like that pip, that puppy pads paper towels whatever like they're very infrequently in contact with that but if you change it out they know mm-hmm. that same night same thing they're gonna they're gonna mark it they're gonna make it theirs it's like stuff that's actually on it or underneath it or like in it like that i get but mm-hmm. the green trees man it's like i change them and it's that's the, the one way I can yeah. guarantee that they're going to go is because I, I did a sub change and it's like, damn, man. Absolutely. I'm starting to wonder if I should just put a layer of paper towel over that and then let them go. And then I don't have to <laughs> waste a puppy pad. Yeah. Yeah. Puppy pads aren't cheap. 
I love those things, though, man. They work like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. I've never used them. Never, I've never, I've never used them with my animals before, but I know a lot of people do. I mean, for for green trees, they're perfect because you know they're they're there to just absorb whatever might fall. Um, you know, if I want to bump up humidity, I'll just spill the water bowl a little bit on it, and it has the the same sort of gel crystal stuff that. I think people use for crickets and stuff basically inside of it in like a powdered form or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're great. They absorb it on the top and they're waterproof on the bottom. So they just, they're great. They're perfect. Yeah. What, uh, when you were using like particulate bedding, what were you, what were you using? Uh, cocoa chip. Okay. Rapid chip, you know, cocoa husk. Yeah. I found that it, uh, it holds humidity really well. The one thing with it is if it's not, you know, saturated, it dries out quickly and it will pull humidity, I find, mm-hmm. from tubs and enclosures. Um, but it works pretty good, you know, to get, you know, get that ideal humidity level. Um, you know, just when you're dealing with, you know, 60 animals or so, it becomes very costly and not efficient in any kind of way. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm cleaning 10, 10 tubs a day sometimes, 15 tubs, sometimes it's two or three, but, you know, I'm cleaning a lot, so it's it's not efficient. And some people do it. Some people have great success with it. it just it didn't work for me. Yeah, I've never I've never really used it. Um, every time I've I've sort of seen people using it, it seemed like it was always like the the top surface layer would be dry, but then it's mm-hmm. like as you went down, it was just saturated. Dead. It's damp mm. and saturated, and I don't know. It just always seemed like a. I think it's a fine balance. <laughs> yeah, it just maybe it just it seemed messy. It just seemed, it seemed like too like overkill for some stuff yeah. for a lot of stuff, and it was. But I can absolutely see it being the case where it dries out and it it zaps you know any of that extra moisture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of once it dries, it just it just sucks everything from the enclosure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your your temp your humidity levels will drop for sure. What temperatures do you prefer to keep the bloods at? Um, kind of seventy eight to eighty two is really that sweet spot. Okay. So I I heat my whole room, mm-hmm. um, and keep it at that. And then when I do offer a hot spot, it's only a few degrees more. Um, you know, it might be in that eighty four to eighty six range, but that's just a localized hot spot. Uh, but 78 yeah. to 82 is yeah perfect. Once you start getting into the, if your ambient temperatures are creeping up to like say 84, 85, you know, you ha- you'll have a pissed off snake. They they don't like high temperatures. Um, they'll use it for yeah. digesting and stuff, but they they do not like a high ambient temp. Seems to be the case with a lot of pituophis and stuff too. At least from what Jake's Jake's mentioned, if you keep them hot, they do seem to get angrier. Like it's just mm-hmm. just like they're irritated all the time. But it kind of yeah. seems to be across the board nowadays too. Though I, I feel like I see a lot of people lowering temperatures just as yeah. a whole. I think yeah. we're keeping things too hot for too long. For sure. Um, I'm at a point now where it's like I don't I don't feel a need to keep anything over 85, be it ambient mm-hmm. or hot spot. Yeah. Um, and even then, you know, if things get cooler than that, it's like whatever. I've I've as the years go on, it I come to find that it's just like if if you're comfortable, they're comfortable most likely. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like 
yeah, the the days of 86 plus hotspots to me are, are kind of over. Like it, there's some species, yeah, where they, they require that, that mm -hmm. hotter temperatures and stuff. But I feel like the, the vast majority of species that are being kept in captivity, like the need for that is, is pretty slim. It's minimal. Yeah. You don't, I don't think you need it. Cause you know, right now, I mean, my room, now that it's, it's winter, my room is cooler, but like the rhinos do great. The persinum, do even better i think than the rhinos in the cooler temperatures um chondros like ambient they do great corns all that stuff like everything are you keeping your room around that same that same temp 78 to 80 yeah it if not a little cooler currently gotcha mm -hmm. um i have i have the heater that I, I just hooked up and stuff but it's been so warm the last two or three days here that I haven't even plugged it in because I'm. I know as soon as I get that thing rocking and rolling, it's going to be too warm in that yeah. room. So at this point, I'm just like, let them be colder; they'll be fine. You know, they're not going to care. Um, it's just it hasn't hasn't been an issue. You know, mm -hmm. everything seems to be rocking and rolling. There was a point where I first started sort of experimenting with those cooler temperatures and being like, man, I really hope they'll be okay. But after reading some of the, you know, with green trees in particular, that Terry Phillip and Julander book. Um, where they talk about, you know, they're finding green trees and it's in the fifties on some mm -hmm. nights. And granted that's, I, I, I don't think that's a regular occurrence for, for most of Papua. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe in like those really higher altitude localities. Sure. But you know, it's like, these things are tougher than, than we give them credit for. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's a reason they they've survived as long as they have, if they were susceptible to dying at the first drop to, you know, 70, they'd be extinct mm -hmm. you know, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be here. So I think when people experience some of those problems with the cooler temps too, it's, uh, you know, not adjusting the humidity as well. So now you have a, a low temp in a cage with high humidity and that yeah. doesn't really work too well, you know? Yeah. And that's, I think finding that fine balance, I think if you're going to let the temperatures drop that much, you definitely got to dial back what your humidity in your cage as well. Yeah. I, what are you doing for, for your stuff? Cause I, most of the time to fix that issue, I mean, I'm in South Carolina, so humidity is, is very rarely an issue. Mm -hmm. um, but most of the time, if I want higher humidity, I just up the size of the water bowl. Yeah. Uh, pretty similar. Um, I mean, I keep, I also keep, I humidify my whole room as well. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing too crazy. I mean, we're in, here in the Pacific Northwest. It's not very humid uh, typically. Yeah. Um, but I keep the room around 55 and, uh, I don't really measure humidity a ton in my tubs or my cages. Mm -hmm. um, I'll keep that room around that 55 mark and I'll kind of spray as needed. And then definitely when they're going into shed cycle, as soon as I can tell they're going into blue, those tubs are getting misted every day, you know, yeah. until they shed. Yeah. But humidity is not, as long as it's in that range, it's not dropping below like kind of like 55 or so. I don't pay a ton of attention to it unless they're going into shed. If I start seeing a lot of dimpling in the yeah. scales, you know, I might hit them with a little more, but I don't pay a ton of attention to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's humidity to me. It's it's much less of an issue, um, you know, when I'm getting bad sheds or something. It's like that's an mm -hmm. issue with hydration. That's not a humidity issue. That's a hydration yeah. issue. Mm -hmm. It's just that animal needs to be soaked or you know, give it fresh water or something to get it get it drinking. And I I have some green trees that that if I missed them, they'll drink like crazy. 
I have mm-hmm. some, if I missed them, they want nothing to do with it. But if I put a fresh bowl of water in there, you know, that yeah. night they're down there drinking. Um, so it's also, it, it boils down a lot to the individual animal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how do yours do as far as misting goes? Do they? Most of them like out? it. I have few animals that like, they just freak out. <laughs> you know, if that water hits them, they, they freak out. Um, and kind of just to add back going back, it's like, you sir, I don't want to suggest that you can keep these animals dry because you can't. You need you need a baseline for sure. Um, you don't you don't want them drying out. That's that's for sure. You're you're opening up to respiratory infections and whatnot. Um, but misting, yeah, most of them tolerate it. Um, the big thing, like you said, is hydration. And um, what these guys will do is, as soon as you change that water, they're they're coming to drink. Um, so I take, you know, bowls are replaced weekly, but I'm dumping out and refilling every two days, um, constant water changes every other day and they okay. will drink and you will see a lot less problems. Not that it's super common, but people will say that it is that they have constipation issues. And I will chalk that up almost every time is that your water bowls not being changed enough and your cage is probably too dry. Yeah. If you yeah. offer these guys yeah, fresh water, they'll drink. Yeah. Yeah. So and that that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Are you doing anything as far as the water goes? I mean, do you use a filtration system, or are you just using tap? What's the right from the tap? Um, usually, I will have a five-gallon pitcher, and I'll let that sit out overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about the extent of it. Yeah, pretty pretty straightforward. Yeah, I use one of those bigger pure filters that's meant mm-hmm. to like put in a refrigerator not like a, a regular pitcher, but like one of the bigger sort of reservoirs. Mm-hmm. I've been using that for a while. I use that for dart frogs and I, I had no issues with the water quality and, and having problems with them, but it's, I think it's if you nice. were an area with, it takes forever. It takes a long time to get that thing to fill up though. That's kind mm-hmm. of my only gripe with it. Yeah. Is like, when I'm so water changes, it's like, I can, I can <laughs> do like an entire racks worth of stuff. No problem. Mm-hmm. But then when I get into like the chondro bowls, which are, are bigger bowls, you know, it's like now I'm only filling up two or three. Yeah. Fill and wait for it to filter through. And if that once that filter starts starts going out, it takes forever. It's like, yeah. It's and I don't know what your water quality is, but I, certainly I think if you have um, hard water or just water that's high mineral content, that filtration is probably beneficial. Um, but I haven't seen a need for it here. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I don't. I honestly haven't even tested mine. Um, mm-hmm. I just I did it just because the the filters were were handy and for the when I was doing dart frogs and stuff like that, I I wanted to be able to trust that I could use it and not have any problems. And even with tadpoles and stuff, I used it and it I didn't have any problems. And I feel like those would be kind of the the perfect test for that kind of thing because if you were going to have issues from the water, it was going to be with with those. Yeah. You know, so um, other than that, I mean, I haven't had any problems with the with the snakes or anything. So mm-hmm. the filters are kind of expensive, and it's a again, it's a pain when they start to go out. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's pretty nifty. I like it. Are you planning to do anything with maternal incubation? Um, it's definitely so. I have done it tried it before i should say it didn't work out i've done it with children's pythons um didn't really work out for me it's probably something i would like to try with short tails at least once you know mm-hmm. i'd like to, i'd like to see it i think it's i think it's really cool um 
no immediate plans. I'd like to get just maybe a few clutches under my belt first, but it, yeah. it's something I'd like to try. Yeah, absolutely. Did the children's just abandon it or what's the, yeah. Point? So I tried it the first year I ever bred children's. I tried it that first year and she laid the eggs immediately left them and never went back to them. Hmm. No interest whatsoever. Yep. Just see you later. <laughs> Whatever. And those eggs turned out pretty good. I mean, they incubated fine, but she had mm-hmm. no interest in them. That's weird. Yeah. I, I also, I want to try it at some point. You know, I don't know when that'll be. I keep, seems like every time I, I'm hopeful that I'm going to get a chondro clutch or something. I'm like, this is going to be the one where I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I know like last minute I'm going to bitch out and I'm going to, I'm going to pull up. <laughs> it's really hard just to let it run its course. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I, don't I'd know. Be, I mean, I'm checking on every 10 minutes. <laughs> there's yeah. And I mean, there's plenty of guys that have, that have done it and they're like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's not that serious. They, they know what they're doing again. They've been yeah. doing it for so long. If it didn't work, they'd, they'd be extinct. So I, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's just that, that thing. Yeah, I, would, I would like to see it. I haven't, I know people that have done it. And then like most recently, uh, you know, trace Harden, uh, Harden Herpetologica. Mm-hmm. He he did a clutch. I think that was last year, and he maternally incubated him. And I think he had like a really high success rate. I think it turned out quite well for him. Yeah, everything I've I've heard that about that maternal and the sort of the results of the the clutch. Um, a lot of it seems anecdotal, but but most of the people I've talked to that have done it, they're like, yeah, the babies seemed sort of more robust and then the mm-hmm. clutches the hatch rate itself seemed higher um whether there's anything really to it scientifically i'm sure there is yeah because there's there's so many things that that mom can pick up on that we mm-hmm. can't and that we can't do in an incubator that mom can you know there's like yeah and they can make those minute changes quickly, nuances you know? yeah mm-hmm. you know so yeah phil's back i'm back <laughs> in the flesh there we go. I thought it looked a little funny, and then now I see Sean Black. Is that me or is that? No, that's you. Yeah, there he is. There he is. Okay, I was, was going to say, have you not been able to see me this whole time? No, no, no. I <laughs> saw you earlier, and now I just okay. came back, and the screen's black. So gotcha. now, now you're back, though. Now, now All right, right on. Good stuff. Good stuff. So what did I miss, boys? We covered a lot. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about humidity and hydration and excellent substrates and. All the stuff I wanted to hear. <laughs> That's a beauty of podcast. I can listen back, right? Yeah, it's it's pretty run of the mill stuff too. I'm not doing anything groundbreaking over here. That's for sure. He, Sean's saying he this is what he does for Bloods, and I'm like, yeah, it's exactly what I do for Conjures. And then you just repeat that whole conversation. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was gonna say the the best keepers are always the most modest. <laughs> oh, I'll I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> there you go. Jeff asked if I was getting inspired for some slug snake apparel. Ironically, you definitely should do it. The funniest thing is that that's like bloods and short tails. That's been like the most requested thing the last couple yeah. of weeks, and it's been at the top of the list of stuff to do. I just well, the names to... work perfectly for it. You know, you can go a lot of ways with bright or brong. Like it's there, pretty easy. <laughs> Maybe a little corny, but you can get it done. Yeah. I'm Herpers all about the it. puns, man. Yeah, there you go. Herpers will love it. I'm a punny guy. <laughs> Do you ever soak yours if you have issues with them? Um, I have. And stuff. Yeah. Um, it seems like they would probably not enjoy that. 
they actually don't seem to mind it too much. Um, I have had it's 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 few and far between, um, but I had had animals like I had a female. She probably went like a good six months, which but isn't unheard of by any means. Like these yeah. these guys can do that no problem. Um, but she, I could tell she definitely had some hard urates, and mm. they were pretty large. Um, and what I do for that is I will keep them in their tubs, but I'll, and so they're heated still, um, I'll fill them up about midway to the snake so that they don't have to, they're not swimming necessarily. Right. Um, but anytime they move, they have to swim and leaving that overnight, um, you know, set that up before I go to bed. By the time I wake up, they've passed whatever they, they have in there. And that, that works like a charm. That's actually brilliant. I didn't even think of that. Put it, fill in yeah. the whole tub in the mm-hmm. rack so it's still warm. That's great. And I didn't come up with that myself. Uh, that's uh, Nick Patini taught me that one. So, you know, cool. shout out to him for that. But nice, nice. It's better than you see people trying to like express urates. It's like, that's crazy. You don't need to do that. Yeah. Especially how hard some of those things get, man. Oh, man. Size of a golf ball. And, it's like trying know, to squeeze a, a kidney stone out of something. Yeah. Now let them soak overnight, man. They'll, they'll pass it every time. There's got to be something with like chondros and bloods and most bitus, like all those ambush type animals that hold waste for so long. Like there have to, has to be some mechanism that stops them from getting septic or something. Yeah. Being able to hold that just for so long. With the amount that they're holding it for so long. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's got to be something there that keeps that from happening. Cause it's impressive. Anything else. It's like, there's no <laughs> way they, they wouldn't just get, sick and, and roll yeah oh and with short tails you can see like you know that when they're really holding their waist that that back third of their body is mm-hmm. is full <laughs> you know a great little anchor i guess but it's when they yeah. pass it's it's impressive yeah it was a, a theory we had a long time ago at least my, my late mentor told me was that the and i'm gonna butcher this because i'm not a scientist but the section in which the waste is stored, for lack of a better mm-hmm. word, is slower in digestive property than the other parts of the digestive system. So, and it's used almost like a fat reserve where they're digesting it so slowly that if they needed to use it, so to speak, they could. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It makes if, sense. If, if food has been <clears throat> absent that long, they could use more nutrients out of the waste. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In theory. And then it's also the, it's also the theory that they're using it. At, I don't know if you guys talk about this, but using it as a, a pivoting point for ambush. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. I've yeah. heard that one. Gives them yeah. a good base to. And it makes perfect yeah. sense. Um, I've heard, yeah. I've heard that last one. And then with the digestion, it's the, um, I kind of, maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel like, they're digesting the food all around that same time. It's that uptake of nutrients with the slower metabolisms. Um, like you said, they're just, they're holding on to it and they, it's a reserve and they can pull out of that for a longer period of time. I never, yeah, I never even considered that. That makes sense too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if it's not uh, nutrients per se, as so much as is moisture or hydration, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? If, if they're, if they're in a dry season or, <clears throat> The area that they're at, that they're at in the wild, they don't have as much microclimate or as much rainfall or as much dew point or whatever. They can literally pull moisture out of the feces if need be. 
um, which is why you rarely see those snakes fat in the wild, even mm -hmm. if they're sitting outside of a, 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 a mammal nest day in and day out, right? Mm -hmm. And that yeah, is kind of the, the weird thing, too, is you can have like a healthy gaboon in captivity versus a healthy gaboon in the wild. Like you can still look at those and be like, there's a, there's a pretty obvious difference mm -hmm. in terms of yeah. like the overall body tone and stuff to where you're like that one in captivity, even if it's barely being fed is still chunkier. Yeah, well, I think even though it's it, an already chunky snakes, like an already chunky species, but like you can yeah, but it, it also comes down to internal and external parasites, right? As well as the fact that when we see photos of these animals, we see videos of these animals in the wild, they're on alert, they're stressed, they're mm -hmm. angry, they're defensive, so they're huffing and puffing and inflating their body and making themselves look bigger and badder than they really are. While as the one that we have at home. It's just chilling, sitting there, right? Yeah. So I feel like uh, there are times when you see a quote-unquote healthy animal in the wild, and it's not. It's just pissed off. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. I was sense. on the uh, that. There's that. That's what is it? Snake bite assist. It's like an African group, and I was cruising that last night a little bit on Facebook. And there was someone posted a picture of a of a small gaboon. They're like, "This is in my in Africa." They're like, "This is in my yard." What is it? It's like, how wild would that be, dude? Like, you walk outside to like go get firewood or something, and it's like you look down. And it's like, oh, it's, it's like I've seen a copperhead here. It's <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, man. It was like a perfectly gorgeous, healthy like looked like someone would have just taken it and sped it on the ground to take pictures of it. Like they had just produced it. You know, a year ago, it was just a little gaboon just chilling. I'm like, that's that's so freaking cool. Damn it! Yeah. Oh yeah. It was like that that lady in uh, where was it? I want to say might have been Free State or Johannesburg or something. A anyway, there's, there's like a golf tournament, and like after the golf tournament or during the golf tournament, they have like a a leisure area with all these like big picnic tables. Everyone's dressed in their Sunday best and there's a buffet and wine and mimosas and the whole Sunday brunch thing. And this woman, you know, maybe in her fifties is sitting in one of those plastic lawn chairs and she puts her foot down and you hear the of the puff Ooh. underneath her. And somebody sees it and they start to record and she's like, what do I do? What do I do? And she's, she's panicking and they're like, look, just don't move. We called the snake catcher. He's coming on his way. <laughs> and like the, the, whoever's filming this, <clears throat> excuse me, they get down their hands and knees to like film under the table. And you see like her ankles, like she's, she's in high heels. Like you see her ankles, like start to get like fidgety and they're like, stop, stop moving, stop moving. <laughs> and the snake is just like slithering around her ankles. Just like, how did I get here? What are all these golf clubs? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Dude, luckiest lady of all time. Nothing happens. It eventually just moseys on its own way, and she stands up and runs away. And oh, I can't fathom that. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I found the post right here. So this kaboon viper was spotted in my yard. Copper, copper bite, copper bait, chingola, copper bait. I don't know. 
copper belt. I can't. That's wherever it is. But okay. Today I moved into the ravine, half a kilometer away. That must have been the place of all snakes. I just nudged it with a long hook. Like you just look down, and it's just a little little gaboon just chilling. Can't even imagine. <laughs> Man, and I, I'm looking. Oh, yeah, look at that thing. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Perfectly healthy. Yeah. It's just wild. Yeah, it is wild. That's something we said years ago like, gaboons are just African copperheads. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. Yep. Pretty much. If you're in African stuff, it's a cool group. Yeah, very Seems cool. To, uh, a lot of, lot of identification posts and stuff. Like someone just happened to come across an Aurora house snake, which I thought was hilarious. Because like, how much do those go for here? Oh yeah. How few people are actually breeding them successfully? These people are like, "What's this in my yard?" <laughs> but it's pretty neat. Nice. They just posted. I think last night there was like a senior in high school somewhere over there that just died from a black mamba bite. It was pretty sad. What's the name of that group? Uh, Snake Bite Assist. Okay. I'm looking at everything on my phone, so it's like super hard to read. It's public, so. Gotcha. You know, none of it's really occurring. None of it's here in the States, but it's just cool to see what other people are sort of dealing with. But something neat. Super cool, man. Super cool. So what are the uh, species you're wanting to, you know, time and space permitting? What's uh, what's on the docket there for, mm. for stuff you want to expand into? <laughs> yeah, for, uh, definitely like a deep dive back into boas for sure. Um, and then I used I kept a lot of like different python species over the years, and I definitely know that's like something I'd like to jump back into. Um, scrubs really have always been something I would like to do. Nothing crazy, you know, but. A little bit of a dive into um, Angolans. Love, love Angolans. My um, man. I've kept, you know, I guess like uh, Wheat Bell Stimpsons because I kept Children's, kept Spotted's and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, I've kept a few of the Liasis group. Like I love water pythons. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a generalist, man. I, I like everything, you know. If I if I had the, the space, I'd, I'd have it all, dude. There's, there's really nothing that I'm like, Absolutely not. But pythons and boas. I've never really been a colubrid guy. You know, I kept some of the Asiatic rat snakes. I've kept spilotes. Um, but colubrids never really, never really did it for me. You know, as I'm getting older, I call them like my retirement snakes. Like I could imagine <laughs> definitely getting into colubrids as I age out of the hobby. Uh, but it's always been pythons and boas for me. Always. Like since as long as I can remember. Do you um, I think... You know what happened to Bolivian boas? 
they're still around. You just don't doesn't see seem them like there's much. anybody doing anything with those anymore. Yeah, the Amar Amaralis. Yeah. Yeah, we got you got what the Brazilians and the Bolivians. I see Bolivians still. Um, but not like what I used to see, like, you know, when Barry Miller was breeding them. Um, seeing those like really nice silverbacks or like the Kerry King line stuff. I definitely don't see as many or as high quality as I used to, but I think they're out there still. Because that was another one, like early 2000s, mid 2000s. They were, there was a good bit of people producing them on a regular basis or it seemed like there was a, a consistent amount of them for sale on a, you know, on an annual basis. Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I don't really pay too much attention to it anymore. Even cruising the morph market page, we really see anymore. Uh, do you know either. Sonia? Our last name is with a K. I can't remember. She breeds a handful of bows and pythons, but I know she had some available. Okay. Um, I can't remember. They might have been Miller line. Not, not. Can't really remember right now. Mm -hmm. But I've always thought, like, what a great. Uh, I think Kevin Motter used to, you know, breed Bolivians and uh, the Bloods. But like, it's just like a great comparison to short tails, like. I always thought it'd be cool to have a bunch of uh, Amarali and uh, Bronger's Mine and stuff like they were that. They are gorgeous, man. I, could, I yeah. couldn't tell you. Of those South American varieties and the boas, I, I don't think I could pick a favorite, man. It's so hard, like, between the, the Guyanas and the Surinams and mm -hmm. um, the Brazilians. You know, yeah. even the oh, Brazilians yeah. in Brazil, like, uh, Growing so up, it was, uh, like, to you couldn't tell me that Vin Russo and Gus Renfro weren't gods. Like, you know, they had <laughs> both had websites. I was always on them. Nothing ever changed on the website, but I was there every day just to make sure. Um, but yeah, me growing up, man, like I didn't think it got any better than that. And, you know, diving into the the two hopes, the Lemkeys, all that kind of stuff. It was, I mean, that's what I grew up on. If you got back into those now and you were doing the morph thing, what would you, what would you grab? No morphs. No morphs. No morphs. Uh, nope, not at all. The bow oh. morphs are cool. I see um, that IMG stuff, and it's it's cool, but the bow tempting. world is such a mess because most of those, when you get into the morphs, none of that stuff's pure. And if you care, if you care about it, you care about it. If you don't, you don't. It's whatever. I'm not passing judgment. But for me, no interest. Like I keep them as pure as I can. You know, I don't want to dive into that. It's such a mess, especially when you really start digging into it. Mess. <laughs> And hey, God bless anyone that does it. You know, not hating on them, just not for me. Yeah, at that point, you're just you're you're breeding for the morph and not the species at all. Yeah, and that doesn't interest me. It'd be all locality based if I were to jump back into it. But yeah, you are right. The IMG stuff is is insane, man. It is. It is I cool. Said, <laughs> I don't think I've I don't think I've seen a boa that that was involved in in the I, with the IMG gene in some form or fashion that I did not do a double take at. Oh man. And then Vin Russo's doing like the blood IMG stuff and that that stuff is insane. I definitely like looking at it. That's for sure. Yeah, I, it's the same for for ball pythons for me. It's like I have mm -hmm. no idea what what any of that is, but I mean it looks nice. It looks cool. Yeah, cool I like cool look at it. Like it better, you know. What about you guys? Anything that you would want to kind of jump back into that you don't keep currently? Uh, the Terra Humeras again would be nice. Mm -hmm. but I think those are even harder to find now than they were when I had them, and they were pretty hard to find at that point too. So I don't know. Um, 
if I could get my hands, like if if I somehow managed to get my hands on some of the caulkers, I'd probably I'd probably be all right with one or two of those. Good pick. I don't, I don't think Phil, we've had, we never really talked about whether or not you were like a a boa guy in that. Really. I uh, I I'm an Epicrates or a Picrates kind of guy, and I actually have a Brazilian tattooed on my leg that never got colored in, and. Uh, you're missing the best part. I know, right? It's crazy. <laughs> and and to be honest, I I've slipped out of boas, man. Like I really, really, I love the way they look. I appreciate them, but I just don't think they're for me. Um, I'm definitely not the trop. I've learned I'm not the tropical guy. I'm the desert gotcha. guy, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or arid guy, or steppe land, grassland, whatever you want to call it. But I've actually thought about redoing this tattoo into some kind of, you know old world viper or something i don't know it's there it's, you go. it's got a lot of potential there to, to cover how the right hell now. would they do that if you saw if you look at the tattoo you, i could totally make it into like a russell's or something um but regardless i uh i realized that there are a few python like i really want to get an angolans i do mm-hmm. um, i've been tempted to thanks to thanks to casey and seeing his the yeah. daytona and stuff i was like okay that's yeah, and then nice. the thing is, I'm Those just gonna, cool. as soon as Casey produces his own, I'm gonna probably be his first customer. Um, but I was entertained the idea of Simus just because of the size and the, the desertness of it, mm-hmm. you know. However, I do have those Miami ones by me, and I think it'd be kind of awesome to have a Miami red tail. Oh, yeah, so I don't know. But those Miami Red Tails, they're rumored to only get like four foot. So I've entertained that I've, idea. I've heard that. And they got the um I can't remember the name of the park. I feel like it's Miami. My I you know, I kind of forget how, but Daring Estate. That that's was like it. a line I remember from back. Yeah. Oh, Beautiful animals too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, and like I have friends that like a friend of a friend who's a security guard there and shit. So mm-hmm. like finding it shouldn't be too difficult. But as far as I know, no one ever finds them longer than like three foot ever gotcha. and no one knows heard... that's just because they get eaten by birds or they get mm-hmm. hit by cars or whatever but i've heard mixed things about them too because i remember like growing up it was um at least from what i remember this is going back a long time but it was always kind of rumored that they were uh, true colombians and i know as the years passed on the looks have changed and uh i've heard like speculation that maybe they've been hybridized with like you know, boa constrictor instead of imperator, which yeah. I have no idea, right? From from what I've gathered is they're arguably the most, how do I phrase this? <laughs> the most Guyana-looking Colombians you've ever okay. seen, if that <laughs> makes sense. No, it makes sense, yeah. But they're, they're, totally, they're, they're totally Colombians that just got mm-hmm. inbred to hell on yeah. this little patch of land, and because it's so dare i say protected they are not considered invasive because Mm -hmm. they're only on this spot and let's be real if they ever venture out of the spot it's just urban miami so like they're just not gonna where where are they gonna go yeah exactly Mm -hmm. so they live in this one little spot but this but you you can't herp there it's like armed guards all night and shit so but i have my ways that would be super cool. That'd be yeah. one on my so, list. So I I think that's probably the only boa that I would really entertain right now. And I definitely want to get into Angolans. But uh, mm. that, to, to, to be on that, I feel like they're still on that boa scale, that boa yeah, yeah. style, you know. 
despite not being boas. You guys are talking about Casey Cannon, right? Had, yeah. Having them. Yeah. Are you guys familiar with? Um, I think his name's Kelly Haller. Old school guy. Um, does like Angolans, Children's Pythons. Used to do Anacondas. Did Bloods for a little bit. Okay. But if you go if you go on Fauna and check him out, he probably arguably has some of the nicest Angolans I've ever seen. And like very fair prices, but nice old school guy, you know, no social media, nothing like that, but produces very high quality animals. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Are Angolans more difficult to produce than balls? I believe they are, but they're not supposed to be hard. If that makes sense. I just feel like people just don't do them. So I know Terry Burwell's produced a good bit of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I just always wondered. I mean, they're like they're still fairly expensive, but I wonder if it's like a rough scale thing where there's just not enough people with them doing that to. Yeah, I feel like it was supply the demand. You know, it was super niche and super expensive, and nobody bred them. So the people that did breed them, they wanted to keep the the price high because they had mm-hmm. to pay a lot of money for it. Why should someone else get to pay little? You know what I mean? And the prices on those things back in the day were absolutely insane. <laughs> like you know, next level. They're definitely definitely cool. Yeah, man. Did you ever do anything with Corallus at all? Any trebos or anything like that? No, never. Not not anything. No, no, really, no arboreal species at all as far as bows and pythons go. They interest me, but not like maybe to have one or two in the collection would be really cool. Um, like there's stuff like that. Like small numbers would be really cool. Like I've had Dominican red mountain boas. Um, That's cool. Yeah, and they they were neat. It was a long time ago. Uh, Jamaican yellow bows are probably my favorite species ever. I mean, I've never kept them, but um, there's just something about those. I mean, that'd be you know, if we're talking dream dream thing to keep, that would be on my mm-hmm. dream list for sure. Um, what's it, Randy? Uh, I'd butcher his last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a he's a Washington guy too. Um, he's he's actually in the group chat. He's been he's been clapping his hands at you all night. Oh, right on. Yeah, yeah. Guy. I had the. I had the pleasure of meeting him at um, when Jeff and Kendra did Carpet Fest. Um, nice. Because I keep to myself, man. I'm like really low key, you know, even on my social media, it's just my snakes. Um, but I did go to Carpet Fest. You know, I got to meet Ryan Young. Um, got to meet Nick. I got to meet Randy. Uh, Jeff and Kendra, that, I think that was the first time I had met them. And it was, yeah, great, great experience. It, it was really cool. Um, it was a lot of listening to Nick talk, as you guys know. Um, but hey, when someone's talking the way he does, you listen. So yeah, yeah. It was it was a it was a really cool experience to meet all those people and just to see the people that are out here. And we have some heavy hitters, man. You know, Casey Lazic. Oh like, yeah. We we have a lot of guys out here in Washington doing doing big stuff, man. Or have Never. done big stuff, you know. Yeah. East Coast, West Coast, baby. <laughs> the more I see pictures of of idaho and stuff the more i want to get out there is like a herping spot because it seems like it's deceptively diverse depending on where you're i going. haven't made it out there yet but it's on it's on my list i, I kind of stick to my side of the mountains like i don't get out to eastern washington much like to see the desert and stuff but herping on our side is like it's pretty dismal you, you gotta go over the mountains to see the good stuff just the landscape looks nice it, it doesn't that's a state that doesn't strike me as as one that comes to mind for a lot of people when they think of of herping and stuff like that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. agreed. I think you, people think of the, you know, the Idaho potatoes and that it's just kind of <laughs> vast 
barren fields and nah, it's beautiful pictures country, and stuff man. I've seen. Yeah, it seems seems really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, next level. And it's not incredibly far. Like from where I am, I mean, it's four hours. You know, it's not it's not far. I mean, I guess four hours is far. But when you live in a big state, it doesn't seem that far. Yeah, like you exactly. Know, growing up in Massachusetts, a forty-five minute drive is like I thought I was going on vacation. Like you couldn't get me to leave <laughs> somewhere for an hour. You know. Yeah, yeah. I it's do remember when it's... when we were up there for the wedding and stuff. We'd be like, "Oh yeah, we got to drive back to Rhode Island." You know, when we leave dinner here, people are like, "Oh my god!" Like an <laughs> yeah, hour drive. Or like it's really not that serious. Like, yeah. Oh, when I yeah, when I was a kid, man, if we like if we drove like an hour, two hours, like I thought it felt like vacation. You know, like when am I going to be home again? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm so <Yeah>. far. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like uh, the, the first time my fiance and I drove to to Billy Hunt's house, which is on the other side of Florida from where I am. Uh, it's like three, three and a half, depending on traffic, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, "Oh man, we're gonna be we're gonna be driving like three hours. This is our first like little road trip." And she's yeah. like, "You realize we do like five hours a night road cruising for snakes, right?" Yeah, it, like it didn't <laughs> click in my head, like because mm-hmm. it's just you just is what you do, you right. know? Yeah. Right. Yeah, just my commute to work, you know, with traffic. It's not that it's really that far, but you know, I commute two hours every day, an hour, an hour each way. Wow, and, you know, it's it's nothing. Like a forty-five minute hour drive is like, you know, when you live in a place like this, it's it's nothing. You know, yeah, I'll drive two hours. I've driven three or four hours just to go somewhere and then drive right back home. You know, which yeah. I would have never. I would have been halfway across the seaboard on the East Coast, you know. <laughs> which that explains like a lot. What somebody just said about the Northeast. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I have I work in retail sales and I get people that are one town over. So I don't know, a 20 minute, 30 minute drive, yeah. if that. And they're like, oh, I can't I can't make it until tomorrow. I'm all the way in so and so. Right. And it's like, yeah. Dude, that's 20 minutes away. Like you can yeah, do that on far. your lunch break. Right. Right. <laughs> Man, but that they're all, you know, New York, New Jersey, Rhode Island, Connecticut transplants. So well, you it, when it you live sense. in those places, it's so tight. It's like, you know, realistically. Everything I needed to do was probably there's, within yeah, there's like a, a reason five mile radius. You know? Yeah, yeah. I didn't have to go anywhere to do anything. <clears throat> That's the, the thing here because where I live, you know, we have a lot of the rivers and sounds and stuff. You know, we got a lot of bridges, and so we always make the joke like, if people have to cross a bridge, they don't want to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, I do think it's interesting because if you're if you're an East Coaster you a true east coaster you tend to gravitate towards 95 right i-95 mm-hmm. goes yeah, yeah. from from maine down to key west right yep or actually technically miami but who's counting so <laughs> you when you get into the carolinas though it kind of gets inland a little bit you know and i'm looking at my first trip to myrtle beach from florida it mm-hmm. was like it was like 10 hours but four hours was just to get off of 95 in South Carolina and go to yeah. Myrtle Beach, which I thought was crazy. It gets like that in Virginia, too. I lived I lived down in yeah. um, like 45 minutes south of Richmond, and that's like three hours from the coast. You know, it's yeah. like inland up there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Oh, yeah, I've always like even now my house right now, like if there wasn't hills. I can see the Puget Sound. I'm, you know, a 10 minute walk from the water. If I look out my back porch, I can see the mountains. You know, I'm 35, 40 minutes from the mountains. It's kind of the best of both worlds, you know, three hours from the desert. It's, you know, pretty cool place. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, that's neat. It's so bizarre that you're you're that 
close to those three different sort of yeah right biomes you know it's odd yeah i mean the water's you know it can't be more than a mile and a half from my front door and then yeah the mountains are you know to get into the mountains you're you know you drive an hour but you're there in 35 40 minutes like you know mm-hmm. at, the, at the bases of at least uh the cascade range the olympics across the sound for me um but yeah then in the desert you know go over the passes and a couple you know three hours from the desert that's cool mm-hmm. man that's super yeah. cool way different love. than being on the east coast man you know i never oh, like yeah. I leave my house, you know, to go to work in the morning. And if the sun's rising, you know, behind the mountains, I've been here seven years now and the shit still blows my mind. Cause I never yeah. seen that growing, ba- growing yeah. up back home. Like it's yeah. insane to me. It's absolutely nuts. Oh yeah. Now it's he gets, uh, he can, he can wake up and walk over and watch orcas take down a boat. Fight <laughs> and revenge. But it's funny, dude, when you're here, man, like you, you don't even appreciate it. Like my first few years, it was like, Oh my God. But then it's just like, yeah, there's the mountains, you know? And like everyone here says, uh, you know, the mountains are out because it's always, you know, cloudy and rainy here. Yeah. So when you get those nice days in the winter when it's dry and no clouds and the mountains are snow capped, not much beats it, dude. It's it's insane to see. Yeah. It's those days that Kurt Cobain smiles upon the <laughs> I don't know if he did a whole lot of smiling. <laughs> Especially the town he was from. Aberdeen's kind of a dump. Yeah, I've heard everything <laughs> yeah, I've seen heard not about a nice it. place. It sounds like it's pretty depressing. <laughs> yeah. The music makes sense all of a sudden, you know? <laughs> Courtney Love did it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Dude, tell me she didn't. I mean, come on. The evidence looks like it's there. Yeah, or she at least facilitated it. She had a she had something to do. <laughs> She's like, you're not happy. Just, just you know what I mean? Go up to the greenhouse for a minute. Yeah. You can fix this. You're not happy. Uh, I left you left you something in the closet over there, just in, just in case you're feeling squirrely. You know? Weird, yeah. weird factoid is Kurt Cobain's daughter recently married Tony Hawk's son. I saw that. I saw that the other that was day. Kind of, I was like, that's odd. Yeah. Then saying that Courtney loves your mother-in-law, like Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, there's no hiding that one. So <laughs> it's a lot of, yeah. a lot of, a lot of crazy in that one. <laughs> I liked Hole Man. I thought the music was good. It was great, yeah. but yeah. I can't help but wonder if if Cobain wrote like half of it and was oh, like, "Oh, I'm sure. I, I'm, I'm not sure. going to use this. You can have it." <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't know. Neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. Orca sightings never good. Old Randy said he lives on Widbley. Oh, Widby. Yeah. I can't tell if that's an L or not. My vision is getting really bad. I can't see it, but yeah, he Whidbey. he lives out on Widby. So Widby's like across from me, basically. I don't think I get. I, tired I can see Widby across the water from my house. Like we have dolphins here. I see dolphins all the time, and like all the out of towners are like, "Oh my god, a dolphin!" I'm like, "Yeah, fucking dolphin." If I saw an orca, though, I'd be like, look at that thing. Like, those things are also terrifying to me. So like, when I, I paid one of those trips scary. to go out and see him, and we went, the guy said it's the furthest he ever had to bring a crew out. So we were like, you know, an hour and a half into open water going towards Canada. And the Coast we Coast spent Shore. maybe like two, two hours out there with them. I took three photos. Because it's it's that amazing, you don't even have you don't even have to pick your phone up, dude. Like that shit lives within your brain. Like, I had no need to take a photograph because it's that that cool. 
watching those things gang up on like a baby seal stuck on an iceberg or something, man, it's it's depressing and it's terrifying and fascinating uh, all at the same time. Or do so like, ours ours don't do that. Uh, we, really? have, we have residential orcas, so they're salmon eaters. They don't they're not they don't hunt seals here. Wow. Yeah, they're they're, they're orcas, but it's different. The residential pods are salmon and boats. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. It's just to me, it's the fact that like they're so smart, they know exactly what they're doing. Everything is calculated. Like none of it's by mistake. It's not mm-hmm. like a shark where it's like, oh, I bit you because I thought you were food. Sorry. Like <laughs> orcas, it's like, nah, I'm bored and you look like a toy. Yeah, I can't kill. We're gonna play a game. Yeah, man, it, it, it totally kills me when you have like those small fishing boats and the seal jumps on the boat because yeah, the, the boat is surrounded by orcas. But those orcas it's like, know that that thing is in the boat. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh my god, where to go? It's a no. We'll wait. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll wait. All this yeah. boat till the you'll, you'll kick them off eventually. That's right. Oh god, it's just uh, and then seeing like the you know the like the Sea World videos of some of the trainers that like. The whales are like, okay, I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of the game. Let's now. I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna yeah, just grab them, their leg and bring I'm them down. Pull you underwater, and then I'm gonna let oh, you get man. this close to the surface, and then I'm gonna pull you down again, and then I'm gonna <laughs> play that five times until like yeah. I would just, I, I don't know, I, I, I just die. I, I'd have yeah, to I think that's what happens. Drown, like, <laughs> just crazy. And it's, mm. I don't think it's, it's them just. Like with that particular incident where it was doing that with that guy, that was the thing where it's like, I'm not going to actually kill you, but I want you to know that I fully can, if I wanted mm-hmm. to, take you out, no problem. Oh, yeah. It's oh, just, yeah. it's the level of intelligence and intent that, you know, like sharks are, are kind of scary in their own right of like, it's all just very mechanical and very emotionless and very like transactional i guess with orcas it's like nah it's 100 personal like yeah mm-hmm. oh they're yeah. thinkers <laughs> yeah yeah I well i just stumbled across someone on instagram the other day i, I gotta find it. i'll send it to you guys but do you guys know that that river otters in, in the united states have turf wars <laughs> i feel like i've seen like, stupid instagram videos Dude, of them like and- <clears throat> fighting over stuff no it's not like two otters or like three otters fighting each other it's like Ten gangs in New York. It's gangs in New York. Yeah, dude, like yeah, yeah. ten otters on the surface, like speedboats going. Brian towards... Jock's books in real life, yeah, dude. Exactly. Yeah, like meeting up another, in the middle, like and hitting, and then it's just like blood in the water and like thrashing, and it's crazy, man. They're so cute and fuzzy. Oh, have you ever seen one like close up? Oh yeah, yeah. Dude, their teeth are like they're massive. Wild. Wild. <laughs> I mean, we we got we got them all over by me, and uh, we got some some decent sized ones. Um, and you see them dead on the highway every once in a while, which is super oh. sad. But uh, but you never see them do that. You know, mm-hmm. you'll see like two of them playing, or like Adorable. two or th- like a mom and dad with babies like playing, and it's super cute. And like, oh look, they caught a fish, you know, or whatever. This is a gangs in New York, man. Crazy. <laughs> well, you got to keep it cute for the humans, man. You know, yeah, like for him. sure. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. As soon as the sun goes down, it's on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'll find I'll find that video. I'll send it to Smitty so he could share it on the uh, the network page because that's intense. They got like they got video of them fighting. Yeah, dude, I got I sent it to I think I sent it to Anna Marie recently. Let me find it. I'll hold it to the screen just because Otter it's that by. it's that crazy. Hold on, let me find this. Someone just happened to be like driving by and was like, "What are those otters doing?" There's there's twenty of them and they're fighting. <laughs> Legit. Uh. It's gnarly, man. It's gnarly. 
I just like to think of them doing like a like those old school like gang moves with a little song and dance. <laughs> utterly despicable. Look at them go! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. Wait for it. Good God! <laughs> what? And like, if you zoom in, like, there's blood in the water. Dude. Some of the ones that are injured come out. It's crazy. Yeah, that's that's insane. Oh, that's funny. It says "Gangs of New York" under the video. Oh yeah, look at look at that. That's great. I didn't even realize that. That's funny. But look it's at like him, man. That big fight that busted out on that dock a couple months ago. Oh yeah, was that was that Alabama? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Sounds Alabama. Dude, that's nuts. Imagine like that person's probably just like drinking a cup of coffee on the porch, getting their morning going. You look outside, <laughs> and all of a sudden, you got like thirty or forty otters just gunning it towards each other. Yeah, man, it's crazy. God. I gotta find that and watch it. I'm, I'm gonna send it to you uh, on a THN. Yeah, actually, Palmetto Coast because uh, it comes up first. There you go. Wild, absolutely. Nature, wild. nature is a marvel. Yep, it's metal. That too. I showed my coworkers the video that that account posted of that carpet eating that possum. Oh yeah, dude. And they were like, "Oh my god!" It's like what? I'm like it's what they do. I was like, I had to explain the uh, the Aussie Dreamcatcher concept to him. Yeah, which yeah. also has to be a shirt. I just gotta figure out how to how I'm gonna do it, bro. That that just take a screenshot of that video and just reduce it, and put it in one, negative. Bro, it's, it's tough because it's too long. Like you can't really tell exactly what it is. I feel like the Aussie Dreamcatcher thing. It has to be like fully wrapped. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know? You're right. Yeah, it's got to be like. Otherwise, a, it just looks like some weird human centipede kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, touche, touche. <laughs> the Aussie Dreamcatcher, I love it. Well, did you guys see that zoo somewhere in Australia? And there was like a, what the hell monkey was it? Um, I think it was a gibbon. And they have like you know they have like the monkey island with like the yeah. moat around mm -hmm. it, and they have like all the rope swings and stuff for the monkeys at the zoo. Well, I guess. One of those was like a rough-tailed possum or something. Yes, I know. What you're one of those, about. one of those large Australian possums, goes into the gibbons enclosure and it like grabs it and throws it like <laughs> two hundred yards or a hundred <laughs> yards away, right? And like that possum is legit just dead, but it it like beat it up, killed it, and threw the carcass across the zoo. Dude, wow. primates are scary. Dude, scary. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Like even those little like capuchin monkeys, like I'd be sketched. Oh yeah, no, things, man. Dude. No, no, no Marcel for me. But yeah. I just think it's interesting that on a sad level, that it doesn't matter what country you're in or what part of the world, possums always get the shitty end of the stick. <laughs> oh yeah. Those Absolutely. Four possums, man. <laughs> you know? Uh you're getting and they're thrown actually by pretty like these little or, animals. They're adorable, right? Yeah. Agreed. Man. Um, we got Ellie got some Cocoa Puff knockoff brand organic things from the grocery store or something not that long ago, and it had like little chimpanzees on it. They're looking all cute. All I see when I see that box is like that lady that got absolutely obliterated. But yeah. oh yeah, was that in Connecticut or something like that? I think so. Yeah, I remember that. That was crazy. 
Like maybe like Maine or Vermont. I can't remember. Yeah, it was somewhere on the East Coast. Sounds like, sounds like something that would happen in Ohio. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anything ever good happens in Ohio. Oh, especially immorality Jesus. I just I see the little cute, adorable chimpanzees. People are like, oh, they're so cute. And I'm like, that thing could rip your freaking face off if it wanted to with its bare hands. Yep. We have and we have one of those big uh, game parks like out here. It's like the Olympic. I actually can't remember what it's called. I've never been, but like they have like grizzlies, wolves, all that. It's not for me. Um, I don't want to see animals like that in those kind of you know smaller enclosures. But from what I heard, it's pretty wild. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's just not for me. Some things just weren't meant to be kept in captivity. Yeah, I, I totally agree. If yeah. you, but I think if I remember correctly, they took on a bunch of like uh, at least the origins of the park. From what I remember hearing, they. Took on a bunch of like Disney animals, you know, that were used uh-huh. for movies and stuff, and yeah. you know, then they, they housed them permanently or whatever. I, that's the, that's what freaks me out so much when I see like when I go to the zoo and there's gorillas and stuff is like how freakishly human they are. Like when yeah. they're looking at you, they're not just like looking at you like, oh, there's there's the the food monkey. It's like no, that's. Like and, uh, the, the if zoo I were here. just a little more evolved, I could totally <laughs> get through this glass and fuck you up. Oh, at the zoo here, we have uh, we have gorillas, and I remember like this male gorilla like grabbed a female, and then just had his way with her like in front of us. And I've never been more thankful for like the glass because yeah, doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, and he points at you and he's like, "You're dead. oh." He was like looking at me the whole time too. I'm like, ah. Like, don't make eye contact with me, man. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, geez. Well, it's like uh, Steve Ranella. You know, he did an expedition into the Amazon with the Amur Indians and to, like, learn their hunting and fishing techniques and stuff. And he he talks on the show and podcast, too, about, I guess, I think they shot a woolly woolly monkey, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And them, like, showing them how to prepare it and field dress and cook it and everything. And, like, the whole process was super psychological for him because yeah, it's like a little tiny human. It's not and, that far off from cannibal. Yeah, and like mm-hmm. they're just eating it because that's what they eat. It's game meat. That's what they eat. And he's eating it, and he's like, the taste probably wouldn't have been so bad had I not been through the whole process psychologically, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's wild, man. I'd, yeah, I'd, Even just when you see him up close, it's, it's like hard not to... Like you yeah. see yourself in them, or, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's hard not to. Yeah. Well, there's A and E had that that one show I survived, which if anybody ever watched it is really good. It's freaking brutal, but fascinating. And they had one episode where this guy was in where was he? One of the countries in Africa that has has chimps, and he was with like two other guys, and they got ambushed by a group of them. And like he somehow got away, but the guy that they were with like got killed by this this group of chimps, and I mean like mutilated. Like, unbelievable. And you could if you there's an I'll have to hunt down the episode if anyone's interested. Message me and I'll I'll find it, send it to you. But like him talking about it, dude, he's like it's just he was talking about just how huge they were, but then also how freakishly quiet and fast they were as well. And the whole like him telling the story, man, it's just it's like. Jeez. nightmarish just yeah. unbelievable you know and it's it's crazy that people think there's not a place i want to be yeah, yeah dude there's a lot of ways i don't want to go out 
that's that's definitely up there. Yeah, for sure. No, it sounds yeah, absolutely horrible. Just being torn apart. Like, no, thank you. I can't even fathom the strength it takes for something to do that in the first place. Like the fact oh. that they can do that and it takes very little effort on their part. Yeah, and, like, and then and the teeth too, like those incisors, man, you know, yeah. three inches long, you know, it's like, no, thank yeah. you. I just saw uh, somebody posted, I guess, obviously we all know that there's a the conflict in Israel and in some of the war torn areas in Gaza, it's completely abandoned, right? Nobody's there. It's all bombed mm-hmm. out and everything. And, there's like a troop of baboons walking through. Really? And it's like the first time people have seen baboons in that part of the world in decades, if not wow. longer. So I guess they knew that all the humans were gone. They're like, ah, screw it. We'll take it back. You can take it back. <laughs> yep. It's insane how quick wildlife takes over. Mm-hmm. Like you guys have seen those like documentaries about like Chernobyl and like the wolves and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. It's insane. Yeah, man. Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. Well, gentlemen, that being said, we're at the two-hour mark. Is there anything else about <laughs> short tails or bows we want to cover before oh, we wrap man. things up? I could go on forever. So, yeah, if you guys have questions, let me know. Randy <laughs> <laughs> said they rip off dicks. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah, that is very scarily yeah. true. It would be one thing if it was like a one-off kind of thing, but it's like consistent. Like if you're a dude, it's going. Oh, it's like what they do. You're losing yeah. that. Yeah. It's like their signature move. <laughs> it's, it's like their fatality in Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> Get over here. Just grab you by your dick. <laughs> oh, grab the tip and twist it. Yeah. Anyways. Um, this, this is uh, episode 187. <laughs> Um, if people want to follow you, where's the best sound serpents on Facebook, Instagram, I, you know, post on Instagram by default, it goes to my Facebook, but I'm always active on Instagram. If you want to message me or reach out, that's the easiest way to do so. Sound underscore serpents. Underscore is important. I'm sure it would come up regardless. Yeah, I think so. The, The Instagram at least makes it a little easy to where if you don't have that stuff, they're like, we think you mean this. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's people that are like your friends are following them and stuff. Mm-hmm. It makes it super good. Pops up pretty easy. Uh, well, this episode is brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram, use the code THN at checkout. Save yourself some money. Then hop on over to fullviceapparel.com. Use the code THN at checkout as well. Get 15% off your order. That is the exclusive promo code just for listeners and viewers like you. Puget Sound Pythons. Give them a follow on Morph Market. Give them a follow on Facebook. Follow them on Instagram. Stay in the loop with what they are doing. They got some some projects in the works for this upcoming season that you should definitely be paying attention to and then cold-blooded caffeine use that link down below get yourself some coffee get that snakes and stogies blend uh i don't believe it will disappoint it is it is damn good and then get a pour over they got all kinds of stuff on there get our coffee get the project for pediculture guys coffee get the uh carpets and coffee coffee all that stuff. Check it out. Uh, we will be back Thursday for THP. As far as I know, I still have to upload last week's episode. I was going to over the weekend, and then 
lice happened and some other things, and it just was like, mm, I'll get to that when I get to it. So it exists. Just got to upload it. And for those listening live, Venom Exchange Radio, Marco Shea, part two. Tonight, tomorrow, Ooh. maybe maybe the day after. Eh, I'll see how I feel. <laughs> Keep your eyes peeled. Turn the notifications on. Eyes peeled, ears open. Eyes peeled, ears open. That's right. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye.